Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go with another show. Slowly warming up. We're supposed to get to... uh... Like minus 10, minus 11 by the weekend? Crack out the shorts. But what's the wind going to be like, Blaine? Is it going to be like like minus 45 with the wind chill? Let's get those parkas on. Yeah, except parka and shorts. You ever notice that too? Like why do the why do the ball boys and equipment guys in the CFL go shorts? Like Normie Fong and George and Calgary, they did that. Like all the ball boys do it or the ball people do it. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of weird that you say that. I don't know if it's like um, comfort and they're always moving and so they don't No, feel- they're just trying to stand out and be cool because nobody notices, no offense, but nobody notices the equipment guy. Because I, uh, after the show, I went to Belgoni last night and called the U11 hockey game between the Prairie Storm Thunder and the uh, the Regina Tigers. Good, good game. We'll get into the score. Tigers won it pretty convincingly, but it was nice to watch them go up and down the ice. It's fun. Uh, but man, when I got into my car, my knees were aching from just standing like in a cold rink. Like, wasn't overly cold, but like, oh man, come on, am I getting that old? Do I have to wear long johns? Like, I'm trying not to wear the long johns. Do you wear long johns? I did last week. Yeah. I went in like. Well, you'd catch the bus and stuff too, right? So. Yeah, like. Last Friday to Monday, I mm. did. Mm-hmm. Except Sunday, I didn't really do go out much. But yeah, Zinger's uh, Zinger was planning to come in, but he's hopped up on medication. <laughs> he said he's a little bit too loopy. I know he's listening at home. So uh, Zinger, hopefully you're on the mend. Uh, Blaine's holding the fort down for you. And please come back. I got to stare at this ugly Calgary Flame shirt. Actually, to be quite honest with you. I am very happy they've gone back to the old, like, uh, red, yellow, and white. Then the I didn't like the black horse or anything like that. I wasn't a big fan. I, no, I like my favorite all-time jersey is the white old-school flames, mm. but I do like the red old-school ones. I didn't mind the black. I, I didn't mind those uh, jerseys they had, like, in 2004. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I agree. The retros are the best. Well, you like 2004 because they got ripped off of the Stanley Cup. You didn't like the fact they got ripped off of the Stanley Cup, but you like the fact that they won a memorable run in those jerseys. That's what. That's why that stands out yeah, for you. Yeah, I'm still bitter about that. I still remember that night and ready to celebrate. And, and it's lining up. I know why the Oilers are kicking some butt. They're finally realizing their potential, but they went back to those minty old uh, blue and orange unis. That, w- that, that was the best. The other one they had there the with orange. the, with the th- yeah, that one or the dark blue with the one they wore once in a while yeah. looks like a practice jersey. Yeah. Like, get out of here. I agree. Anyway, let's get to this, Blaine, if you can hit that for me. Sports Cage shareholders, this is what you need to know. Lots going on in the world of sports. Uh, now, big rider news today. Frankie Hickson remains in the green and white for a third season after two solid seasons as a rough rider. Enjoyed a strong debut in 2022. And then last year, he was kind of like, he was hurt a bit, but then he must have fallen out of favor with the coaching staff because we didn't see him on a regular basis. I know he had some injuries, like a hand injury and things like that, but uh, I was a little surprised he got re-signed. Not that I don't think he's a good player, but I guess new regime in terms of the coaching staff. 
And, uh, you know, Anthony Vitelli probably had a good word for him. And I know he's a physical player, so maybe a good blocking type, too. Yeah, I agree. I was surprised, too, that he resigned. Like you said, he didn't have the season in 2023 that he had in 2022. But he, he's explosive. Like, he, he finds that cut, finds that lane, he's gone to the house. So yeah. he does definitely bring a lot. And from a media side, I think he's one of the best interviews oh, on the team. And he is also a good community guy. So that's yeah. good. That's very important in Saskatchewan. Rough Rider the side. American linebacker Katie Davis and American defensive lineman Roman Lee Harrison of no Davis Conference uh, Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. So uh, I think Dave Naylor said this and he's kind of accurate. They'll either be names to watch or guys that are cut in the first couple of days. It'll, we'll have to see. We might look back on these two names and say, hmm, was a good signing by O'Day Carson and Paul Jones. All right, uh, let's get to it here. Um, We'll get to the Provincial Scotties in a moment because obviously they're going on. We're going to hear from Michelle Englot in a bit. But um, Cole Caulfield, we'll say Cole Caulfield here to the rescue. Nimitz back for Armia, hands it off, high pass, Harris fires, stop, rebound, scores! Cole Caulfield tips it in. Yeah, so interesting there. Caulfield got the goal with about four and a half left to play. But the Habs had a 2-0 lead, and then they gassed it to the Devils. But fortunately, like I said, Caulfield to the rescue. How about this one? Dylan does in the Panthers. Still in play. 20 seconds left on the power play. And Dylan Larkin. Yeah, I think at a certain point, it maybe looked like he was going to get a one-timer, and then he gets Mikola to go down. He freezes him. By the way, the first call was from Sportsnet. That was from TNT, and that was one of the worst calls I've ever heard in my life for an overtime goal. It's like they didn't even know what was going on. Sorry for interrupting your conversation. Unbelievable. But Dylan Larkin puts the uh, Detroit Red Wings into the victory there in Sunrise, Florida 3-2 over the Panthers. NHL tonight, 11 games. Leafs at Calgary. T.O.'s lost four straight. That's why my friend Blaine Wyland's proudly wearing his flame shirt. Oilers host the Kraken Edmonton on... A record 11-game heater for that team. Uh, Canadians at Ottawa. Sens coming off a 7-4 home ice loss to the Avs. The last place Ottawa Senators are shaping up to be sellers with their new GM, Steve Steos. Bruce Garriock of Post Media reports the expectation is the Senators will ask pending unrestricted free agent Vlad Tarasenko to waive his no-trade clause. And notes the team has also tried unsuccessfully to move winger Dominique Kubalik, so uh, we'll see. And they're also listening on Jacob Chikrin. They have another year left on the deal, but apparently the asking price is pretty high. So that kind of indicates to you that they want to keep him. But hey, if somebody's willing to mortgage the future for him for two playoff runs, there you go. Coyotes are at the Canucks. Um, Back to the CFL, Dan Ralph, the first to report that Dominique Rimes, who was cut yesterday by the BC Lions, has signed a two-year deal with the Ottawa Red Blacks. His career began in our nation's capital in 2017. The deal apparently worth 420000 guaranteed. Now, when you got a receiver like that, you're like, hmm, we got to get a quarterback. Now, do we have one on our roster? They, I think, I don't, is Crum a free agent? I don't think so. Crum was pretty good for them last year. Yeah. I mean, is he the guy of the future? I don't know. Uh, Jeremiah Masoli renegotiated. He's got um, 
hard money of about 134000 He got a uh, signing bonus of forty five. Was supposed to have a roster bonus this week of $100,000. Uh, Dustin Crum, have you seen him? Is he free agent? Are you looking that up? I no? was looking at the free agent list. He is not okay. on there. Okay, but here's what happened today. The Ottawa Red Blacks traded a fifth-round pick to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for Drew Brown. So the big question is, at 936-6262, and I wish the kid well. I do. No. Is Drew Brown the next one, or is he the next Nick Arbuckle? Is he the next one or the next Nick Arbuckle? Because remember, Nick Arbuckle was a systems guy in Calgary. He was going to be the next guy. Kind of got bounced around with COVID and then never did take off. This guy here threw for 938 yards. It was a career year for him. Drew Brown, short yardage guy too. And then they brought in Prukop after the USFL stint didn't work out. So is he the next guy? Or is he the next Nick Arbuckle? Text us, 936-6262. All right. Um, what else can we tell you about here? Oh, let's get to this, man. Um, can somebody please help me out with what new Patriots coach Gerard Mayo was trying to accomplish at his introductory press conference yesterday in New England with Robert Kraft? This is what he had to say. I do see color because I believe if you don't see color, you can't see racism. And... Whatever, whatever happens, black, white, disabled person. I've always, even someone with disabilities, I always, uh, you know, for the most part, people are like, you know, don't, you know, when they're young, they, they kind of make the spot hot. Younger people know what that means. But what I would say is, like, no, I want you to be able to go up to those people and really understand those people. Whatever it is, black, white, yellow, it really doesn't matter. But it does matter, so we can try to fix a problem that we all know we have. What, why are we doing that in a press conference? We know racism is something. We know it's bad. But why would you bring that up in your introductory press conference? That's maybe something you address in a locker room if you have a problem. You're already dividing a locker room before you even have the locker room. Or am I way off base there, Blaine? Like, I don't know. What are you doing? What are you hoping to accomplish there? Stir it up already? Yeah, I think we're at the what he was going for was not kind of the way he came. Like I just first heard that just now, and I think he wanted this. I think his message was something was different. What that he was going to treat everybody equally, yeah. but then he, but it doesn't come across like that. And I'm like, why would you step into it already before you even have a locker room? You don't even know who's in your locker room yet. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's just because of the whole he's the first black coach for the New England Patriots. I'm not sure. Maybe. Hey, Mike McCarthy is back as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys for a fifth season and I'm not that irate about it. He's won two NFC titles. No team has won more in the regular season in the last three years in the NFC than the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, I know they're the first team to win 12 games, 12 games, and 12 games and not make it to an a-, or, uh, a championship game AFC or NFC, but we discard coaches really fast and, they, and you know when you get rid of a coach, you gotta start over again with culture and everything like that. It takes about two or three years unless you're D'Amico Ryan. So uh, I'm not totally against that. The guys won a Super Bowl. I- I'm okay with that. Falcons and Bill Belichick meeting again coming up this week. So that's uh, a second interview. Mike Vrabel is interviewed with the San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles. And Reba will do the anthem at Super Bowl 58 in Vegas. Well, it's true, man. And uh, this is some sad news from the NBA. Oh, check that first before we get to that. Mini over Ottawa. 3-2 in PHL action. Happening. Gonna read the play. Daryl Ross watching Taffany. Trisha calls for it and score. Ricochets off a body in front. It'll be Susanna Taffany in overtime for Minnesota.
Minnesota. Not going to lie to you. Not, hockey's not bad, but real stupid they don't have team names. Like, real stupid. They just have Minnesota, Ottawa. Like, I, Yeah, and I think it's because of a licensing situation that happened that... Something it was something about licensing that they couldn't do that. And what? Yeah, like crazy. Uh, come on. And uh, the NBA has postponed a second Golden State Warriors game in the wake of assistant coach Dayan Milojevic's death. Um, they announced Friday's contest against the Mavericks would be played at a later date. Milojevic, 46, died Wednesday in Salt Lake City after being hospitalized the night before he suffered a heart attack at a team dinner. Raptors coach Darko Ryakovich was the best friend of Meloyovich. Uh, Let's hear from Darko. Tough day for NBA community. Um, my condolences go to family of my close friend, um, Dejan Milojevic, who unfortunately passed away. I knew Dejan since, um, since I was a teenager. He was a role model. As a player, as a man, as a husband, as a coach, somebody that I really admired and have a lot of respect for. Yeah, so puts wins and losses in perspective. Milojevic was just 46, like I said. Coming up, we'll get to your... Uh Curl Sask scores from the Provincial uh, Scotties in Tisdale, and we'll hear from Michelle Englott. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back inside the Sports Cage, corner 12th and Rose, downtown Regina, 936-6262. The number to text or call locally, or you can call 1-866-767-0620. Our first question of the day is Nick Arbuck, or uh, Drew Brown, the next great one at quarterback, or the Nick, uh, next Nick Arbuckle? He has been traded to Ottawa from Winnipeg. On the ice in Tisdale at the Provincial Scotties, Orsted against Anderson. It's Martin up against Holland. And Tisdale in Tisdale playing Ackerman. And, of course, Mitchell up against our next guest, Michelle Englott, the nine-time provincial champion. Now, it's her team, but she plays lead. I caught up with her, obviously, earlier because she's on the ice right now. It'd be cool if I could talk to her in the game, but it's just not possible. All right, uh, as we tape this, we're talking with Michelle Englott. She's on the ice right now uh, in her second game of the Scotties. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thanks. Uh, so, tell us about the first game last night, the opening draw, 7-4 loss. Yeah, we uh, had a little bit of a tough go. We, um, you know, battled battled back and uh, made it close, uh, made her throw her last shot, but uh, we just uh, ended up having a couple of uh, bad, bad ends, I guess, and gave up some steals that uh, we definitely need to eliminate that if we're going to win some games here. So we need to get on a roll today. Mm-hmm. So you've got, uh, as we're talking right now, you're up against Mitchell. What can you tell us about this rink they're they're a really strong young team they've been in in provincials uh, the last few years and uh you know they're a strong young team and and we will need to they 
knocked off the defending champions last night. So, you know, we know we're, we're going to have a tough game again today. Every game here is is going to be tough. And with the with the format, with the two pools of six, you, you really can't afford, you know, more than more than one loss or two losses at most to make the playoffs. So, you know, you kind of lose a game and your back's against the wall already. Yeah, it's a tough uh it's a tough goal, right? It's a tough uh, thing to win here. You've you've won this thing nine times, um, but this is not easy to do. No, it's not for sure. And, you know, there's the formats have changed over the yeah. years. And um, this is definitely one where uh, you there's really, you know, not many second or third chances. Right. So uh, you kind of need to need to get on a roll and start winning some games. So, so we're hoping to do that today. Yeah. So having said that, do you like this? Uh, were the pressures on right away? Um, I'll it, it is what it is, right? It's a it's a provincial playdown, and that's probably how it should be. You know, there's a lot of sudden death games in our in our lives where, you know, you need to learn to to step up and perform under pressure. So this is definitely a good format for the to prepare the team going into the nationals. So I don't I don't mind it. Uh, basically, in any format, you you ultimately need to be playing consistently well and get on a roll in the playoffs. Now, Michelle Inglot, you're like a fine wine. You're getting better with <laughs> age, but uh, can you look at this field? Uh, you know, give me the state of curling right now for on the ladies' side for curling, at least with this field. I think um, this is the toughest field that uh, there has been in Saskatchewan for for a while. I think like it's a very solid field, really good twelve teams and. You know, we have some some young teams that are coming up and and playing really well, like the Ackerman team that beat us last night. Mm-hmm. And you know, so it's I think it speaks and bodes really well for curling, women's curling in Saskatchewan. So uh, I know at you know different ice surfaces, different rinks. So nothing is like uh, the same in every rink. But how long generally does it take you? to get a handle of the ice and I guess in a tournament like this where you got to you know like you said you can't afford too many losses you better pick up on the ice pretty fast yeah absolutely like you know you really need to pick it up almost instantly to get get that first game under your belt unfortunately the other team did a better job than Mm. us yesterday Mm. but um, you know I think we have a good handle on the ice now it's it's extremely fast and uh, very sensitive uh, that way so uh, I think we have a good handle and hopefully we can get rolling today does that play to your team strength and to your strength personally when the ice is like that yeah I think so this is you know this is one of the fastest ice surfaces that I've played on uh, so you definitely need to you know sl- slow your kick down and, and try and use your sweepers as much as possible yeah so, so it's a little bit of an adjustment but yeah, so the team's named after you, Michelle, uh, Michelle Englot, as it should be, but you're throwing lead rocks for a guy that's yes. just a casual curling fan like myself, <laughs> not an expert by any means. Uh, just tell us uh, the reasoning behind that. Well, I, you know, I still, I still love the game, and I, and I am getting up there in age. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a discussion with some former teammates, and and we chatted about this because you know I, I think that my my uh, strength has always been my draw weight so that's you know it, it with the five rock rule lead position is extremely important and and so i you know i think i can still bring some 
uh, value to a team in terms of calling the game and and the strategy and the line calling. Mm-hmm. So you know we we threw this out there and and thought we'd give it a go and and I'm quite enjoying it actually. It's it's fun because I still you know get to be in the house and call the game, but um, throwing throwing lead rocks. So and you know when you have a solid team in front of you or behind you, rather, <laughs> I guess it would be, uh, uh, it, it makes it really fun. So I'm, in, I'm really enjoying the year. So, Michelle, um, you're like the, uh, I liken you to the Damon Allen, because I know you're a CFL <laughs> fan. You're the Damon Allen or the Tom Brady of curling, okay? Uh, so I'm. A, so listen, you're a high-level athlete. I just broadcast sports, okay? But do you do you... Like, do you have to lean on your teammates or is there somebody in curling that you really trust where you say, okay, do, do I still got it? Like, are you noticing anything in my game or do you just know, do you just know yourself? No, I'm still good to go. Like, I can still do this. I think, you know, I think my body is still telling me that I'm good to go. Right. So I, I work fairly hard off the ice. I work out at level 10 and, and, uh, you know, try to keep in shape off the ice. So I think my body will tell me, but um, I have some very honest sons who would also <laughs> say, okay, mom, time to pack it in. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're not doing it anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. So lastly, Michelle, um, what, how has your workout regimen changed? Like, are you more into stretching? Is it, has it, has it changed the, uh, the older you've gotten? Uh, stretching has definitely become more important. However, I still um, think the weight training is is very important at uh, for older athletes. Right? I think you need you need to stretch, and you also need to maintain the weight. Yeah. The weights. So. Yeah. Hey, you seem to be really, and it's refreshing. You seem to be really comfortable in your skin in your age. Uh, <laughs> has it always been like that, or is it you know like that? That's that's really neat. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Um, you know, my goal is to just continue working out and I've always done it. So, you know, I, I want to be um, a, an elderly person who is able to remain active. Right. So and I think um, we all know what we need to do to, to do that. So that's one of my goals in life. Amen to that, sister. I uh, yeah. totally, totally agree. Good luck uh, today and uh, continued success in your career. OK. Yeah, thanks, Ballsy. Time now for your sports ticker inside the Harvard Media Sports Cage here at the corner of 12th and Rose. Uh, in the NHL tonight, there are 11 games, including the Calgary Flames home to the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs trying to snap a four-game slide. The Oilers, every time they win, it sets a team record. They have won 11 straight games. They host the Kraken tonight. Those teams battling for a wild-card spot. That's the funny thing. The Oilers have been on a heater, and they're still just in the first wild-card spot. couple losses away from being out of the playoffs. That's how competitive it is. Uh, Canadians at Ottawa. Unless you like those teams, do you really want to watch? Coyotes at the Canucks. Uh, Frankie Hickson remains with the Rough Riders for a third season after two pretty solid seasons, although a bit of a down campaign last year. He's re-signed on the dotted line. Dan Ralph, the first to report that Dominique Rimes, who was cut yesterday by the BC Lions, signed a two-year deal with the Ottawa Red Blacks around $420,000 in guaranteed money, and he needed a quarterback to throw it to you. Now, I know they got Dustin Crum, Jeremiah Masoli in the fold, but they've added Drew Brown into the fold, at least his negotiating rights. They trade a fifth-round pick to the Bombers for that.
that. Mike McCarthy back as coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Falcons and Bill Belichick have a second interview lined up. Uh, Reba McIntyre will do the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Vegas uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58. And uh, the NBA has postponed a second Golden State Warriors game in the wake of assistant coach uh, Dayan uh, Milojkovic's uh, death. He was 46 years old. He had a heart attack Tuesday night at a team dinner and passed away yesterday. And that's your sports ticker. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. You can send us texts at 936-6262. It's powered by the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, and you can take a slice out of your winter cooking schedule by uh, just letting Western Pizza do the cooking for you. It's, you know, when you're cold, it saps the energy. You don't even want to cook when you get home, so... Pizza and wings sounds real good. Pizza and lemon pepper wings. That hits it right on the head for me. Uh, today's show on this Thursday is brought to you by Frosted Real. It's back for 2024 from January 26th through February 4th. Join us for the citywide winter celebration. It's a fun time. For complete event listings or tickets, visit at realdistrict. .ca. We're joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by former rider, Grey Cup champ, uh, my good buddy in the broadcast booth, Luke Molner, but he actually has a real job where he affects people's lives other than making them mad, punching their steering wheel when we're calling a game. He is a VP of the Red Cross in Saskatchewan, and you know we both do that, right? You know you know, we got some haters lined up there. Oh, buddy. man. You know what? Hey, babe, you know what? We appreciate all of them, man. We yeah. appreciate the listenership. That's, that's, it's, uh, that's what makes the job fun, right? My broadcast professor David Gell back in Mount Royal in the mid-90s, I shudder to say, was that long ago, said as long as they spell your name right doesn't matter. So <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly, that's exactly. kind of what I've done. Okay, before we get into some great sports talk here, uh, hey, we're we're about uh, day-to-day life here too. And talk about the Red Cross working with the Saskatchewan Health Authority, I believe in the Yorkton area, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, actually, you know what? Uh, we, we did the announcement yesterday in the press conference yesterday. We, we've we, we've we've announced a really incredible partnership with uh, the SHA at the Yorkton Regional Health Center um, and um, the University of Regina. And basically, what we're doing is um, we're going to be launching a hospitals to home program pilot. And so, basically, what we're doing is it's a free program, and it's off. It's going to be offered to the patients that returning that are returning home from a stay at the Yorkton Regional Health Center, right? And okay. those participants in the program, they're going to get. Um, you know, a personal call two or three times, um, two or three times for uh, a week for 12 weeks. And the purpose of the call is going to be from a trained Red Cross staffer um, and volunteer. It'll provide like emotional support, coping strategies, and even help those folks, um, you know, with referrals to the resources that, you know, may be in their recovery plan or they just may need in general. So um, we're excited about it because it's going to help people that are coming out of the hospital and more importantly, hopefully, um, you know, they don't have to return for a reason that, you know, they might not known that they could uh, help themselves out with. So it's fun. It, it, I mean, well, it's not fun, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a feel good partnership. Yeah. The university of Regina is going to research it and help us figure out where we're effective, where we need to pivot. But um, yeah, it, it was exciting news yesterday. Is it something that it's kind of like a pilot project where if it 
works here, you'll look at doing it in other places? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Red Cross's job is to, is, is to fill the gaps in, in our government's planning, all regions of government, including First Nation and Métis Nation, too, right? And, uh, you know, so, so we basically take the conversations that we, we have with our, with our partners and where their gaps are, and, and we try to apply the programming that we're good at, um, you know, in the region. And, and this is sort of um, built off of the Friendly Calls program success that we have because we, we, we really run a successful program in Saskatchewan, Carrying our trained volunteers and staff for an emotional wellness call for anybody over 55, mm. um, 55 and older, right? To help them, um, you know that uh, obviously Saskatchewan is challenged with isolation and loneliness, especially in our um, aging population. So that program really helps them, and it was so successful and, and so much, so well needed that we ended up expanding it to match our national program. So now it's available for anybody 18 and over. That's awesome, man. Especially like I was talking to Blaine about this yesterday. Uh, maybe. It's because of the weather the last week or so, but kind of, you know, I'll admit it, kind of got a little bit of the January blues. And when you match Mm -hmm. blues with isolation and everything like that, you're right. uh, This service is needed. Yeah, totally. And and again, you know, like uh, uh, partnering with the hospital and, and, you know, the SHA, I mean, you know, we're going to be able to find out, hey, do people understand their discharge plan, right? Like, and if they don't, you know, how can the Red Cross point them to the resources that they may need? Mm. Um, you know, but more importantly, like, I mean, if someone leaves the hospital and they were already alone and feeling isolated, um, it, it would probably be nice to, to, be, to be matched up with someone that's going to call them once a week, right, for for the next three months and just make sure. And then, and then the nice part about it is it doesn't end there. If they want to continue to remain in the program after the 12 weeks, we're, we're going to keep them in the program and we're going to, we're going to continue to, uh, to be that friendly voice. The uh, friendly calls plus hospital to home program available by emailing friendly calls, SK at redcross.ca, or you can phone one three Oh six seven two one. 1600. Okay, Luke Molliner, let's uh, f- take off your vice president's cap and put on your Rough Rider football cap. Oh, wait a minute. Take off the Rough Rider football cap and put on, how about them Cowboys hat? Put oh, that man, on. That, that, that hat was flushed down the toilet last <laughs> week. You know what? And I, I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you, you know, last week was a real testament to the character of one Sean Kleisinger, you know, because as much junk as I was talking that week leading up to, uh, to, to the show and even texting Sean, I mean, he didn't, he didn't call and rub it in yes, uh, last week when, when we got pounded. And, I, and if I was in his shoes, I would have been doing it. And, and mm. you know, he's, he's obviously a much classier guy than I am. Well, he is. I can vouch for that. But he also just <laughs> fell and broke his wrist and wrecked the ligaments in his wrist. So he was he's kind of hopped up on drugs right now. That's probably why he hasn't called. He's laying on the couch right now going, yeah. oh, yeah, I got to call yeah. Mullinder. Hey, well, I got being hopped up on drugs was probably why he became a Packers <laughs> fan in the first place. Yeah. Hey, I got to ask you. I gotta, still taking shots. Hey, I got to ask you this, though, bro. <laughs> Uh, yay or nay to Mike McCarthy being retained? Listen, if we're not getting Bill Belichick, whatever, right? Like, yeah. you know what? We had a 12-win season. The problem is, the problem is, is that it's like the Edmonton Oilers. You know, like, you're right. They're, they're doing great right now. Yeah. The Dallas Cowboys, every single win next year is going to be, is going to be followed up with, yeah, but – Right, like literally, we could go undefeated next year in the regular season, and no one's going to care because everybody's going to be like, "Yeah, well, first round of the playoffs coming, they'll bow, they'll." Mm. So that's that's something that's going to follow them around, right? But again, if we're not getting Belichick, man, whatever, let's, let's roll with McCarthy. Belichick to Atlanta, his second interview here. He's getting a second yeah. interview where there's smoke, there's fire. 
he must he must have like property in Atlanta. Like uh, you're going from the Patriots to the Falcons. Like man, yeah. And you know what? Maybe 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 he's like I think that Bill Belichick, the head coach, if he's just the head coach, it'd be a really good thing for him. Yeah. I think it'll yeah. it'll turn the Falcons around. They got they've already had. I mean, they were garbage this year and still had a chance to win the division. So imagine a good coach in there, right? So you're uh, you're a man of color, okay? So I want your thoughts. That you're a man of color, but you're. You're, you're also very level-headed. You could see both sides. Gerard yeah. Mayo takes over the job. At his introductory mm-hmm. press conference, he starts talking about, you know, he sees color and, and kind of starts bringing mm-hmm. up racism. I'm like, why would you? Yeah. We know racism's a problem, but why would you bring that up in your introductory mm-hmm. press conference when you don't even know who's going to be on your friggin' team yet? Yeah, and I think that, I think that for Gerard Mayo... That was more to do with the 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 gravity of the shoes that he's going to have to fill. I think that Gerard Mayo, you know, like I, I feel like he mentally he's like, man, I'm I'm Bill Be- and and you have to remember he was on Bill Belichick's staff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that right away when you're the media and you have this fan base and this media base that really wants to see how things are different. And maybe in his mind, that's one of the things that really sticks out as something that he's planning to leverage to be success. Maybe he's like, man, I'm the first person of color here in this organization, leading this organization. And I'm excited about it. Right. And, and, you know, sometimes, I mean, it's also the first time he's taken an interview as a head coach, right? Like, you know, yeah. there's going to be, it's yeah. there's going to be a little bit, bit of bumps and, and, and bruises on the way there. And, and, you know, I think, that I think, but on the other side of uh, the other side of the fence, though, Balti. I mean, if he doesn't talk about it, who's going to? Yeah, right. So, like, who's? It's it's the same. It's the same with you know, like C.J. Stroud, man. Like that guy is a man of God. He consistently. So the same with Tua Tagovailoa, who they don't want to interview now. And I think one of the reasons is because he talks about God so much yeah. in the world today, man. I mean, sometimes I feel like we need God more than ever. And the people who are willing to speak about certain things that are that are that are essentially trying to be swept under the carpet, I, I, I'm I'm okay with them bringing it up. Amen to uh, that, brother. Uh, it's uh, and, and that's translation. Balsy, take a chill pill. That's what he was saying there, folks. No, 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 no. I just, I just feel. Like I know that, what you're though, saying. You know, I know like, what you're saying. I know. What my whole point was that racism is an issue, and it is something that does need to be talked about. I just don't know what an indu- introductory press conference yeah, to no. stir it up there. You know what I mean? Like, no, why bring no, it up no, there? No, no, yeah. But, yeah, exactly. I mean, there was. I, I agree. There was. There was a ton of other things to talk about. But again. Like, you know, he's got a platform and he, and I think that in his head, there's, there's probably that thought like, Hey man, I gotta, I gotta do everything that I can. Every step I make has to be different than, than coach Belichick. Yeah, that's true. And nobody knows that process more than him because he was on the staff. Right. So Robert Kraft, man, I mean, I get it. You got a guy that knows the Patriot way and stuff, but you're also setting that guy up for a lot of extras. And you know how the extras go in this yeah. business, Bobby. The, 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 the fewer and far between they are, the, the easier it is to coach a football. Two jobs I wouldn't want to have. I wouldn't want to replace Belichick, and I wouldn't want to replace Nick Saban. I want to be the guy that replaces the right. guy that replaces yeah. those guys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, You don't want to replace Luke Molliner in the booth. You want to replace yeah. the guy who replaced Luke Molliner. Um, and, and Ballsy's easily replaceable. Hey, uh, <laughs> no, man, you're doing a great job, man. Hey, think, yeah. hey, so let's get to this. Speaking of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Frankie Hickson back that kind of raised my eyebrow uh uh, because i'm like okay he had a good 2022 he was a little injured in 2023 but often wasn't used either just your thought just your thoughts well, I mean, who knows when they signed him, right? They yeah. might have signed him like right at the end of the season. They're just announcing it now, right? Yeah, I, I know for a fact that they, they've, they've, they've actually, I think that they've signed a couple other guys that they haven't announced yet too. But, I mean, I think that, you know, with Frankie Hickson, 
A, you probably got them for, for a little bit cheaper. Like, you know, I, I know that the, the first sort of initial thought from people that are, are especially Jamal Morrow fans are like, oh, well, what does that mean for Jamal Morrow? And, I mean, it might just mean that Jamal Morrow got his backup back again for another year, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't think Frankie Hickson had a ton of leverage in terms of statistics, right? So yeah. it probably worked in J.O.'s favor. Um, and, again, like, you know, it's like the quarterback situation. You always want to be as deep as possible. And I think that when Frankie gets an opportunity to, to be the guy, right, I think that he'll be he'll be good but again I think that he understood his role last year and his role last year and then they made it very clear early on was to be the backup to Jamal Morrow right so you know you come in compete be ready um, but you're the number two guy and and fortunately for the Riders I don't think the number two running back especially an American running back costs that much no, for sure. Luke Mulder joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline, our great color commentator, former rider, great VP of the Red Cross chapter here in Saskatchewan. Uh, so the question I'm asking folks at 936-6262, is Drew Brown going to be the next one or is he going to be the next Nick Arbuckle as he got traded from Winnipeg to Ottawa, at least his rights, for a fifth-round pick? How do you see, what are you looking for, or how do you feel about Drew Brown? Who's the OC there again this year? Condell. It is Condell, right? Well, yeah. Again, I, I think that any 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 quarterback in the CFL needs really good coaching. I think that I think that Ottawa probably hopes that Tommy Condell has 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 revised his system to fit modern day athletes in the Canadian Football League, and maybe Drew Brown fits that. I mean, if you look at the qualities that Drew Brown brings, they they sort of were reminiscent of like you know a younger you know, Jeremiah Masoli, right? He's, yeah. He can he can throw the football better than a young Jeremiah Masoli, but he's also an athlete guy right so um, I, I don't think it hurts and anytime you have tape I mean this is the narrative's never going to change in the CFL you need two starting quality quarterbacks to, to really compete for a great cup right I mean last year the like uh, I mean even in the playoffs the number two quarterbacks has really mattered uh, as of late right so so it's 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 a smart decision to bring a guy who and who actually has playing experience. Yeah. So um, and again, you know, uh, I think that I mean, look at, at this is the second year in a row where 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 Sean. Um, What's his last name again? Uh, Sean Burke. Actually, Sean Burke. Burke. Yeah, I'm, uh, I hope he doesn't listen to this. Um, but you know, <laughs> everybody does, second, Luke. <laughs> I know, I know. But this is the second year that Burke's really making an effort in the off season. Man, he's already signed some good guys. So yeah. uh, again, now it's going to be on the coaches there. They, yeah. the, the talent is, was there last year. No excuse. This year, even worse. Maybe you know something that I don't, and that wouldn't be a big shocker. But uh, Sean Bing Jr. hasn't been announced yet. Are you shocked by that that they haven't got him on the dotted line? Well, yeah, that's a that's a good point, right? And you know what? I I think that um, if he hasn't been signed yet, one of the one of the conversations is obviously going to be with Mark Mueller, right? And hey, what do you want to do here, mm-hmm. right? You, you've been you've you've been behind you, you've been the guy in the background here. You, you've seen you've seen a few offensive schemes, and and you know theoretically, Mark, what what do you want in your offensive skill set? You know, and 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 more importantly. The guys on the roster last year, do some of them fit it? And if they don't, who fits it outside of this, this organization and, and who do we need to make a run at, right? That, those are the conversations you should be having with your staff, especially the new guys like Mueller. Yeah, so, uh, okay, I got a question for you here. What do you think of the Riders' new coaching staff? We haven't got a comment from me on yeah. that. J.C. Sherrod's here, Mark Way McDaniel. Yeah. The, uh, an intriguing one is Philip Daniels, DeVaris' dad, who has some NFL experience not only as a player yeah. but also Super Bowl-winning coach with the Eagles. 
Yeah, I've, I've been asked about that a couple times, and I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Um, I, I, I like on paper it looks it it, it looks good. Uh, to be honest with you, I think that, you know, again, I was very vocal about, hey, you need to have as much experience surrounding, um, you know, coaches as possible. And, you know, are there a bunch of like, are there a bunch of, um, you know, Ken Austin's around him? Are there a bunch of Richie Hall's around him right now? No, but, you know, these guys that they brought in, they don't lack depth, that's for sure. Um, so, so I'm cautiously, cautiously optimistic. Here's the deal. This team, one of the real sort of, one of the real sort of, you know, negatives about this team over the last two years has been the way they've finished games. That three-minute drill ball, you and I have been up in those broadcasts and and seen positives go to negatives within that three-minute drill. Um, That's going to be one of those things that this team really has to improve on, right? So you got to take, okay, what do we need to get better at in segments? And I think that that's one of those pieces. So if this team that they've put together, if they think that this team is going to get them better in certain phases, one of those phases needs to be defensively in the three-minute drill and offensively in the three-minute drill and the way we use that time. So, again, it's is it Devon Claybrook's first year in BC? Thank God, no. Right? Like, <laughs> thank the Lord. <laughs> yeah, that's, no. and, that's, and that's what I think that everybody was worried about yeah. is like, hey, we've seen this go south pretty quickly. And, again, this is a team that hasn't been in the playoffs for the last two years, so our, our, we can't be patient. It's not like we're coming off three championships and we're rebuilding. No, no, no. We're resetting again, yeah. right? So, yeah, so I think that that's where the so, – so it's not a Devon Claybrook situation, I don't think, which is a really good thing. So I'm cautiously, cautiously optimistic. And, man, like, dude – I'm getting. I'm starting to get excited now for training camp. Me, you know what I mean? Me like and you too. There, diving there, yeah. diving into it, watching how this thing sort of melts together. It's mm. going to be great, man. And and I think that the the fans are going to be really engaged in that process too this year. Yeah. Next uh, week, you and I have lunch, and we'll uh, we'll solve all the riders' problems with free agency over lunch. Wow. Okay? Of course we will. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Thanks, That's, buddy. Take care. Huh? Right, have man, take have care. a great day. That's Luke Mulder joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be back with more of the sports cage for uh, Frost at Real here on uh, your voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. The provincial women's Scotties in Tisdale Orsted over Anderson 2-1 in the third or after three, pardon me. Englot has a 2-0 lead after three. It's uh, Martin leading Holland 2-0 going to the third and Going to the third, they're tied at one. Tisdale in Tisdale against Ackerman. Our own Blaine Wyland covers the Riders, and he covers the Pats. He caught up with Colton Bridgman, big tall defenseman, and uh, Blaine's asking about his first ever goal with the first question. Well, Colton, what was it felt? What did it feel like scoring your first goal on Sunday's house, dude? Yeah, it obviously felt pretty good. Um, something that I've kind of dreamed of for a while, growing up as a kid watching the Pats. Um, no, it was good. It wasn't the greatest game to get it in, but good to get it off my back. Was it kind of different, the fact that you were touching more blue paint in the crease as opposed to, you know, along the blue line? Yeah, it was kind of weird. I was up in the play. It doesn't happen much, but, you know, fortunate enough to get that one. Where do you rank this in terms of, you know, your hockey moments in your history? It's probably up there, you know, like I said, something I've dreamed of for a while and something I've been wanting, obviously. The last guy on the team to get a goal here, so it's probably top three. Do you ever think of, have you thought about it this season, you know, getting that first goal, being a defenseman? Oh yeah, come on, every night I dream about it. (laughs) 
Talk about the dream of playing for the Pats growing up here in Virginia. Oh, it's been awesome. Um, obviously, watching them as a kid, looking up to all the guys, Kobe Williams, Connor Hobbs, Josh Monero, those guys. Um, it's awesome to kind of follow in their footsteps and be a part of this organization. At what point did you make it in your mind that you know this is something that you want to do in terms of playing with the Pats? Um, as a kid, honestly, growing up, just dreaming about it. Um, again, these guys are my role models. I look up to them. I wanted to be like them. How would you assess your first season so far, your first full season here? Yeah, um, it's been pretty well. Um, the injury, I think I missed 17 games there, so it kind of split up the season. But other than that, there's a few things I can clean up in the D zone and stuff. Um, kind of want to add some more offense to my game, but other than that, it's been pretty good. What's it like working now with three 20-year-olds on the blue line? Oh, obviously, uh, their veteran presence has been awesome. You know, just giving me tips and tricks on along the way to get better and make myself the best player I can be. Your teammates, how excited were they for you when you scored? Oh, it was awesome. Um, uh, Mushmansky and Temple, those guys are my good buddies, and I was on the ice when Mushmansky scored his first one, so it was pretty cool to kind of have that same experience with him. So, yeah, they were pretty excited. Can you talk a little bit about your journey to becoming a Rich Allen Pat? You know, even two years ago, would you have thought this is where you would be? Yeah, no. Um, obviously, I was pretty pretty down going into double A wasn't like my goal wanted to play pack Canadians but I don't know it's kind of been it's been weird ever since three four five I've played for the Pats and three four five and the junior Pats growing up and then the Pack Canadians last year and then now with the Pats it's pretty cool. So you got called up to play with the Pack Canadians when you were in your double A uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, so even in that moment, were you kind of like, okay, like I'm starting to make some steps, some progress? Uh, building, building block moment there, getting called up, obviously something that I wanted to do, and yeah, I kind of carried over to next year, and I was fortunate enough to get to play with them. Is that kind of like a goal of yours? I'm assuming it's a goal of yours, but when you were playing with the Pack Canadians, then were you like, you know what, I think the, the goal of playing junior hockey is still alive for me? Oh yeah, one step closer, obviously, playing Major AAA and, you know, talking to Dale McMullen and Dale Durkett and those guys. Um, kind of gave me some more hope of uh, when I was going to play at the Pats and if I was even going to be able to, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, can you tell a little bit, of, I don't know if you can, but kind of what Dale Durkatch told you, some words of advice, or what he kind of shared with you when he was watching? In Midget Double A there, I played at Dale Durkatch's junior, his son, so he was kind of around all the time, and you know what, he just says I can call him whenever. He's always there for me. He's kind of like a mentor. If I played with his, his younger son, Dace, and Adam or something, and he's always just been there to talk to. He's been awesome to give me advice and whatever I need. How about your brother, Kai, who you had the opportunity to skate with at Pat's training camp this past fall? Yeah, obviously a great experience with my brother. Um, don't, don't often get to do that, and not many guys get to do that. So obviously both in our hometown. It's pretty cool to get to skate with him and be able to have an awesome experience with him. You know what? Never give up. Um, it sounds corny, but truly, just work your hardest. Be the first guy on, last guy off. Do everything that you can, and if it doesn't work out, you know you did everything you can. And 
that's all you can do. How much of a boost of confidence has it been? Maybe an example being Saturday night, you guys are up 4-3, 20 seconds to go on the clock, Raiders have the net empty, and Brad Harrop puts you on the ice for a diesel face-off, and face-off is one to you, and you pin it up against the boards, and you took a whole bunch of punishment, cross-checked to the back, and did your job clearly because you won the game. How much motivation and more confidence does, does that give your game, knowing that your head coach, Brad Harrop, trusts you to put you in those situations? And you know what, it, it gives a lot of confidence that he puts me out there. Um, before the draw there, Carson Haynes came up to me and says, me and, me and you are going to pin in the corner there, just put her in the corner. And we both just kind of held it there, so it kind of went right to plan. It was, it was good. CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Sports Cage shareholders, this is what you need to know. Brought to you by Real at Frost. Back once again, end of uh, January, end of February. It's going to be a great uh, extravaganza in the winter time, and hopefully we don't have um, the weather we're having right now. Hopefully it warms up. All right, lots to get to. Like, so much to get to. A lot of rider stuff, too. We never touched on this. The, that uh, alumni Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation game taking place in February up there in Saskatoon. Um, going to support the youth in the province. Ryan Getzlaff is playing in it. So Ryan Getzlaff going to be on the ice with his brother Chris Getzlaff. Are they going to be on the same team, you think? I don't know. He said he's going to... He's looking forward... He said in the statement, yeah. I tried to get him on the show that he just didn't line up, that he's happy to be on the ice, sharing the ice with his brother. I don't know. Same, I hope it's against each other. I yeah, I mean, I know as a, as a middle child of three yeah. boys, yeah. there's nothing more than like ramming my brothers in the boards for a good body check. So I mean, uh, we don't have a sound effect for this, so I'll just come up with one. Bust alert! Bust alert! Jake Winicky has been released by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the receiver who, truth be told, I thought would be maybe uh, the under-the-radar signing of the year last year. It was basically, a, I know he was on the one game here or there, but that was just doctoring the depth chart. He was basically playing a healthy scratch from Week 9, Week 10 on. I think we were expecting the numbers that Sean Bain posted from Winicky. You know, especially with the connection with Trevor Harris, I think yeah. we we're expecting him to become the number one, but it never really did happen, and no. it just never materialized for him last and year. And some of it was he got hurt early on, and then Harris got hurt, was out for the year, so they could never get on the same page. But Jake Winicky is now a free agent. You know who's not? Frankie Hicks, and he's re-signed on the dotted line with the Rough Riders. The running back out of Liberty, Liberty Flame, is going to go into his third year with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. There's some other CFL news, and big news at that. Question we're asking you, is Drew Brown the next one or the next Nick Arbuckle, a systems quarterback that just could never get it together? Drew Brown, I think he's about 5'9". He's kind of a little bit on 195. He's a little undersized. I mean, not for the CFL, but he's not a bigger guy like a Strevler or like even stocky like a uh, Zach Kalaros. But he'd look good in Winnipeg behind a good offensive line with weapons. What can he do in Ottawa? So he is there right now. They've traded for his rights. It doesn't mean he'll end up there. He'll still maybe go to free agency, but that's probably his best landing spot. Like, if he goes anywhere else, 
Like, think around the league. If he goes anywhere else, he's going as a backup. Why wouldn't he just stay in Winnipeg? I'm, I'm sure he's going to end up in Ottawa. As Farhan told us yesterday from TSN, probably give him, like, bottom-tier money for starting quarterbacks and then have it incentive-laden. So, But right there, him... Dustin Crum, Jeremiah Masoli. Something's got to shake loose there for the Ottawa Red Blacks, you'd think. Yeah, definitely some... They do have depth now, and definitely the move is just made because, of course, in about two weeks' time, everybody could negotiate with Drew Brown. Although, yeah, like you said, I'm a little surprised just over the fact that this is the only clear-cut starting opportunity that he has out of the clearest path to a starting position. Yeah, if I'm the BC Lions, like... Well, it's not just BC, but Vernon Adams has been banged up a bit as of late. Who do they got for a backup? They've got Dominic Davis, I think. Look at us and right that's here. That's it. Look at the Rivals Yeah, I know, right now. I know. And are you confident? <laughs> a guy covering practice every day, are you confident that Jake Dolagala is a sturdy, steady second-string quarterback? I don't think he's a starter right now. Not this year, anyway. Do you, do you, did you see enough to bring him in? I, I did. I think we should bring him in. Yeah, I agree, and uh, he's our second guy. I, I like, to, and just the one th- I like to see him like come May. You see him take another step, like he did this year. Although he kind of started off strong at training yeah. camp, and then he kind of, you know, went, it just seemed like it worked out when he came back here on those off days for his off, you know, with his trial and yeah. that. It seemed like those were the days Mason Fine and Jay Patterson lit it up too. Yeah. So you want, I think you want to see him come back and take the next step forward. Of course, still he's a free agent, and you know, there's not a lot of uh, options out there for the backup QB. Market. No, there isn't. Okay, let's get to the Scotties. That is the Provincial Women's Curling Championship in Tisdale. Right now, they're going to the fifth. It's 3-2 Anderson over Orsted. Uh, on sheet two, Michelle Inglot, who we heard from earlier, trying to get back to 1-1. One and one. She's against 1-0 and oh Mitchell, and right now, she's up 2-0 going to the fifth. Hauling up against Martin, and it's a 3-3 tie going to the fifth end there. And Ackerman and Tisdale in Tisdale. It's 2-1 for Tisdale right now, and they are through three ends of play. Uh, we heard from Michelle Englott. We might rerun that interview before the show is done. NHL tonight, 11 games on the menu. Leafs at Calgary. Oilers hosting the Kraken. Edmonton on an 11-game heater. Canadians at Ottawa. Apparently the Sens... Have asked Vladimir Tarasenko, unrestricted free agent, to waive his no trade clause, and they unsuccessfully have tried to move Dominic Kubalik, and they're listing on offers on Jacob Chikrin. Coyotes are at the Canucks. Now, Alexander Ovechkin no longer defying the age curve. Like, he came in, he's got uh, 830 career goals. Of course, the record in regular season goals is Wayne Gretzky, 894. Now, of the players 34 or older, Pittsburgh's Sidney Crosby has 26 goals. Boston's Brad Marchand has 19. And Dallas's Joe Pavelski has 18. Right now, Ovechkin's got 9. 9 and 39. So he's on pace for about probably 16, maybe 17 goals. Which at that pace, and he could go on a bit of a run here, but at that pace, it would take him three more years to beat Gretzky's record. I think he will beat Gretzky's record. I, I'm a Gretzky guy. I want him to beat Gretzky's record, but Father Time is starting to catch Alexander Ovechkin a little bit, I think. Uh, I'm, not that I watch every Washington Capitals game, yeah. but I think people thought he, for sure he'd be over the nine-goal mark right now. I think the big thing for him, too, is staying healthy. It's just You never know if that one major injury could hit him and knock yeah. it off a year He's 38 or so. years old, so Tom Brady has really got people into a false sense of security as it relates to their 
you know, beating back Father Time. Um, the NBA has postponed a second Golden State Warriors game in the wake of assistant coach Dayane Maloy- Maloyevich's death. Maloyevich died yesterday, but he had a heart attack Tuesday at a team dinner in Salt Lake City. So that game versus the Dallas Mavericks is going to be pushed back. Uh, Minnesota beat Ottawa yesterday 3-2 in PWHL action. Um, to the NFL, Mike McCarthy will be back for fifth season as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Falcons and Bill Belichick will have a second interview. And Reba McIntyre will sing the anthem at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Uh, that's all we need to tell you right now. What you need to know uh, when we come back, Arash Madani and our clutch performer. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Frosted Real here on 620 CKRM. 620CKRM Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. For smart investing solutions and Brian Golly, be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly over at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Arash Madani, lots going on. Let's have a moment of silence here. Hello? Yeah, let's what are we momenting for? The death of the 2019 Toronto Raptors championship yeah. team. Pas- yeah. Pascal Siakam is out. Let the rebuild begin. Your thoughts? Well, I, I think it started one year too late, to be honest with you, Ballsy. I mean, they got nothing for expiring contracts last year when it came to Fred Van Vliet. You know, letting guys walk is not is not good business. They ended up getting something for OG Ananobi. They get some picks for Pascal Siakam. And and I just, I know that we almost get this sense of, you know, when a team comes close, it's like, okay, they took a big step this year, and next year's their year. But the moral of the story is win when you can. Like, the Raptors, it's not that they haven't even come close to a championship since. They won one round in the bubble, and they haven't sniffed a thing since 2019, basically since Kawhi left. So win when you can. You never know when you're going to get back when all the stars align. You know, I think, you know, through a CFL lens that you and I talk about all the time, there's just as good a chance Montreal doesn't make the playoffs next year as there is them getting back to a Grey Cup. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how slippery a slope sports can be. All right, let's take that talk, and you have some trigger words there. Uh, this wasn't on our pre-show meeting, but I know I know, I can go at the line of scrimmage and go, Omaha! Omaha! Kill, kill, kill! So we're going to do this, okay? Uh, the, yeah. Ed- the Edmonton Oilers window is now 
Okay, it's now. Yeah. And every game they win, they're setting a team record. But you just mentioned something. Uh, small market, not really desirable in terms of players wanting to go there. Leon Dreisaitl goes into the final year of a very team-friendly contract next year. It's going to be interesting to see what the Oilers do here. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what Leon Dreisaitl wants to do, Balti. You know, we, we get so caught up in what's the team going to do a player reaching free agency, they've earned the right to get to market. And does he want to do that? Does he want to stay? Does he want to see what else is out there? Well, here's what I've heard. I've heard him and Connor sure. him and Connor are really good friends. Like, really good friends? And I know it's business. Yeah. But I've heard they have a very strong desire to play together. And they realize that they probably won't get a chance to play together unless it's in Edmonton. Because where would, you couldn't deal both of them to the same team. Do you know what I mean? I do, I do. Um, and that's great. Um, you know who else are good friends in Edmonton? Uh, Messier and Gretzky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, everybody's great friends until they're no longer, you know, and then they're no longer teammates. Well, I, wa- well I walked by Matthew Kachuk. Aaron Ekblad, and I, I think the third one was Bobrovsky, although I couldn't quite see it. I was walking in in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It was 12 o'clock of a game day, or just before 12, and those guys were eating at a street-side restaurant, like outside, and nobody was bugging them. So I could see no state tax, 25 degrees, nobody's bugging you. They don't care if you score nine goals or 900. It's not a bad way to live, is it? No. And oh, by the way... They were in the cup final last year. Yeah. So let's go to the CFL. Is Drew Brown, this is the question I've been asking our listeners on our text line, is Drew Brown the next one or the next Nick Arbuckle? I think that Drew Brown is the next hope. So I don't think Drew Brown, excuse me, is the one. And I don't think he is the next dud. I think he's the next hope. Here's what I can tell you, Balzi. I was told a little while ago that one of the people who actually has been advocating, I don't know, I wouldn't call it on behalf of Drew Brown, but for Drew Brown, is none other than Zach Calero. Mm -hmm. Zach has has actually reached out to some people that he knows in the league and has told them, hey, Drew's a good dude, Drew's a worker, Drew has the qualities to be a starting quarterback, a franchise quarterback in this league. And look, Brown's had a front row seat beside Caleros for each of the last three years. And it kind of makes you wonder if it's not going to be now, then when? Well, so that that's why this has happened. And, you know, there's a team in need of one. Obviously, it's Ottawa. Yeah, and I mean, if you're Drew Brown, it's got to be more than money right now because, I mean, if if you're going to a team, you want to have a legitimate start uh, shot to be a starter. So, in fairness, the, they've just traded for his rights. He can still go to free agency, but look around the league. Where else is he going to go play quarterback and start nowhere. or have a chance to I start? Mean, yeah, the answer to that is nowhere. Um, so... It's Ottawa, and I know that the Red Blacks have <clears throat> they've uh, renegotiated with Jeremiah Masoli, which is actually smart because if Masoli is going to be playing for half of what he was last year, and he can actually stay healthy, those are two big you mm-hmm. know, factors in all this. You need two guys, Balti. If there's anything that the CFL has taught us, or pro football has taught us over the last number of years, 
um, if that you need to. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so I, you know, is, is the Brown Masoli one, two punch good enough? I mean, I don't know. Like I just look around the East and I say to myself, am I buying Bo Levi and Hamilton? No. Am I buying the Tiger Cats at all? No. Am I, am I really believing the Alouettes can do it again? I mean, I'm the wrong guy to ask that question because I, I just didn't believe in Cody Fajardo or that Alouettes roster, and they're bringing everybody back. And the Argos are the class of the league. So you just kind of look at it and you say, okay, well, if we can just get you know three wins better, that's going to get us in, and that's probably going to save our jobs. If you're the head coach and the GM there. Yeah. Uh, Rash Madani joining us here from Sportsnet for Coast to Coast uh, Smart Investing Solutions. So let's get to the NFL with the four and a half minutes we have left. Uh, Baker Mayfield today. Uh, so uh, uh, what is it, C.J. Gardner-Johnson or something? He He's a safety for the Lions. And he basically said if Tampa had a good quarterback, they got a great receiving group. And he went on to list all the receivers, including Russell Gage. And Baker Mayfield had a great comeback. He goes, well, I don't – he obviously hasn't been watching film because I love Russell Gage, but he hasn't played a snap for us all year. So uh, the, the, I love me some Baker Mayfield. I don't know, man. If I'm picking an upset this week – that's my upset. I think Tampa can beat Detroit. Yeah, I don't. Baldy, I, I think it'd be a great story. I think a lot of things are in Tampa's favor. Uh, the fact that it's indoors, fast track, that's advantage Buccaneers. I think that Tampa's actual receiver weapons are, believe it or not, are better than the Rams. Even though the Rams' top end talent is better, and Mike Evans which, had and Mike Evans had a terrible game last week, so he'll be ready to go. I agree. I, I just think overall Tampa's weapons are better. Puka's the best. Cooper Cup's the best. But then after that, the Rams just fall off. Tampa's a little better across the board, and the Lions' defense is pretty banged up, etc. But. It just feels like this Detroit team, there's something going on with that, man. Like, they're, you know, sometimes you get that team of destiny vibes. They, they've been on a roll. Jared Goff swinging the football at a really high level. And I'm just not buying the NFC South teams, Ballsy. Like, I go back, the, the Bucks, the second to last week of the season, could have closed out the division and fell on their face against you know, against a division opponent, then they needed to beat Carolina just to get in. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how good overall the Bucks are. Um, a lot of things are in their favor, but I'm, I just can't pick them. I just can't. Joe Flacco turned into a pumpkin last week. Does, uh, does the same thing happen to Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers this week? I think what's going to get exposed this week is not Jordan Love. It's not the Green Bay offense. I think it's that Packers defense that had been dreadful for a large part of the season, I think that's what's going to get exposed by Kittle and Debo and Ayuk and CMC and Brock Purdy. I mean, it's just the amazing part of the Niners, Ballsy, is they have George Kittle as their fourth offensive weapon. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know how that Green Bay defense has an answer for him. Okay, so... I'm I'm pretty good at impressions, okay? I I figure okay. I figure about early in the third quarter if we go into the 
if we go into the Kansas City sideline or the huddle, this is what we're going to hear. <laughs> I wish we played at home. I don't like playing on the road. Can we go back there, man? That whiner Patrick Mahomes is going to lose his first ever road playoff game. Yeah, I mean, I just... So here, here's the thing about Kansas City. And it... It feels like people are afraid to say it because Patrick Mahomes is there, which is why I understand it. I don't know what to make of this game, but I, you know, coming into these playoffs, if you actually watched KC this regular season, all they were ballsy was a reputation team. Mm-hmm. From opening night against Detroit when they lost to the Lions at home when they unveiled the banner. Through the regular season, they came to Minneapolis in, I think, early October. Kelsey got hurt that day. They didn't look very good in October. Um, They didn't look very good in November. They look sketchy in December. And, you know, losing at Green Bay the way they did on Sunday night, I just don't think they're very good. No. they've They've let a lot of talent leave that building. And, you know, and it's not just Tyreek Hill, but their offensive line with Orlando Brown. You talk about their defense with Frank Clark. At some point, the clock strikes midnight on a team, and I just get the sense that's what's going to happen with Kansas City. Well, the clock has struck almost 4.30, meaning we're out of time, and I, I don't really have to ask your prediction. I think Stroud and the Texans are a nice story, but they won't be able to hang with, uh, with the uh, Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Hey, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it, okay? Always good, Ballsy. Thanks, bud. That is uh, our friend Arash Madani, Coast to Coast for Smart Investing Solutions. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment for Real at Frost here on, or Frost at Real. That's what it is. Frost at Real. Frost everywhere. It's cold. Uh, this is 620 CKRM. All right, inside the uh, Harvard Media Sports Cage with your sports ticker, I'm Michael Ball. It's brought to you by our friends at Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Uh, give them a call, 306-781-2090. At the Provincial Scotties in Tisdale right now, headed to the 6th end, uh, 4-2 Anderson over Orsted. Also headed to the 6th end, are knotted up at 2, Mitchell and Englot, who joined us on the show earlier, Michelle Englot, throwing the lead rocks for her team. It's Martin with a a 4-2 lead over Holland. They're going to the 6th and also going to the 6th. It's a 3-3 game between Tisdale and Ackerman. Of course, it's going down in Tisdale. We'll keep you updated as the scores become available. 11 games in the National Hockey League tonight, including Leafs at Flames, Oilers at Kraken, Canadians at Ottawa Coyotes at the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, that is your sports ticker. Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. All right, uh, we are uh, talking CFL football here, and we'll tell you Frankie Hickson remains in the green and white. His third season as he is signed on with the club. Dan Rell first reported this, that Dominique Rimes, who was cut yesterday by the Lions, signed a two-year deal with the Ottawa Red Blacks. His career began in the nation's capital back in 2017. Ralph says the deal is worth $420,000 guaranteed. And just ahead of talking to BC Lions GM Neil McAvoy, we will remind you, and we've been talking about this all day long here, the Ottawa Red Blacks have acquired the right 
rights to pending free agent quarterback Drew Brown in exchange for a fifth-round selection in the 2024 draft. But right now it's time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline on this uh, Thursday, corner 12th and Rose in downtown Regina. Uh, speak with Neil McAvoy, general manager of the BC Lions. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's always nice to talk three-down football in the uh, month of January. So. You got that right, man. Oh. What's it like there in your parts of the world? Because here, it's my here, Neil, not even close to football weather. Well, I'm not sure if you guys are used to snow, but uh, <laughs> you, we got lots of snow, and it's actually pretty cold. So we're shutting the city down for a couple weeks wow. here while we uh, regroup. And uh, spring is probably about three weeks away. Yeah. But other than that, we're struggling today. Thanks a lot, buddy, because I'll tell you this. People <laughs> people ask, you know, you go on trips like I've been on some uh, Mexican vacations or whatever, and they're like, where are you from? Yeah, well, how cold is it back where you are? I said, last thing, it's minus 48 with the wind chill. Minus 48? What do you guys do? Uh, plug in our cars and go to work that's what we do yeah absolutely we, we get her done you know bob Stoffer, color commentator of the edmonton oilers he's been on he said you can't go wrong with guys who come from places that start with s sweden and saskatchewan and i think you found that you've been you you've kind of dipped into the saskatchewan talent pool here when building your team yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly love uh, Prairie kids. They they seem to be tougher. They seem to uh, you know play the game the way we need it to be played. So uh, I certainly have no issues whatsoever bringing uh, a young uh, Prairie kid out to the big the big West Coast. But I'll, I'll say this: that's the beauty of the Canadian Football League. You can bring you know guys like Ryder Varga from Regina into the big city, and guys like Chris Zarka and the current head coach of the Saskatchewan Roughriders from the big city living in Regina, so yeah. it goes full circle. Yeah, so it's a small league, uh, and I mean, they're your opponents, right? I mean, you don't want to comment too much on your opponents, but just your thoughts sure. on Corey Mace getting a head coaching job here. He seems like a really good man. Yeah, absolutely, and again, um, I'm a BC guy, I'm a BC born and raised, and whenever I can see a uh, you know young guy from the province of British Columbia that is a supporter of uh, you know high school football and football in the province of British Columbia doing good things, I'm always going to be uh, you know cheering for him. So I'm excited for him and I'm excited for you guys just to see uh, where he can uh, bring it. I Except, was, of course, when they're at BC Place. Yeah, I was excited for Ryder Vargas, speaking of local Prairie kids. Uh, he's a guy that you drafted, but he came back to school to finish his engineering degree because he had to take yeah. those classes in the fall. And I thought, you know, that's, first of all, he knows he's smart off the field, obviously. He knows he's got to have a life off the field. But he came this year, and man, he didn't disappoint in my eyes. How about through your eyes? No, not at all. To be quite honest, in his first year at training camp, I, I told the coaches, I said, guys, Ryder's going to come in. He's going to go back to school, so don't fall in love with him. And, and they did. So they were, again, so I had to remind them that he's not going to be here. I don't want to see him on you know, the, the top of your depth chart in 2022 because we're not going to be able to see him until 23. So when he came to camp in 23, see, he, he you know uh, stepped onto the field exactly where he left off, and uh, we were excited and happy to uh, have him uh, progress to the player that he is and going to be in our league. Neil, it's interesting. I've got a son going through the process in the NCAA, and when you commit to the draft, that's it. You can't go back and play. I think that's a nice little nuance for our game. Like, if you got a kid like Ryder Varga or somebody that needs a little more seasoning, you can draft them. I mean, you don't want to waste draft picks that way when you're trying to win because it's a win-now business, but the you know the kid comes, you know he's not going to you know play right away. He's going to go back to university, but he can come back the next year. I think that's a cool little nuance in our game. 
Yeah, I certainly do. I mean, especially these young Canadian kids, they do need time. I mean, Ryder, I felt Ryder could have played his first year, but going back to school did nothing but make him better. And so when he stepped onto the field, and, and, that, and, and the reality is we're expecting them to be professional athletes. And so, you know, um, you know playing more football in, at the U-sport level uh, for an extra year, a lot of times those guys come back to camp the next year and are just that much more prepared. So I like that rule too. Ben Halatic from UBC. Man, what a tackling machine. Another great Canadian talent. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Third-round draft pick really stepped up his game the last couple of years, and so we're still uh, in conversations with him to, uh, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. see where he fits all within. But yeah. as as I as I heard your broadcast earlier, we live in a salary cap world, and we unfortunately have to make tough decisions. And you know what? Yesterday was a tough decision, yeah. having to let go of a guy like Dom Rimes, who was a great ambassador of our game and of our team in BC, and unfortunately, we had to let him go for Capri. Nothing other than that, and it's 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 too bad. I understand it, but again, I would love to keep these guys that are embedded into the community to make you know make us all you know much better as uh, you know football players and, and and people who love the game. Yeah, what is that conversation like from your aspect? Like you just said, you outlined a guy that was a was a warrior. He puts his body on the line, and yeah, in our game they get paid good money, but they're not getting life changing money. So they're doing it a little bit for yeah. the love of the game. But what's that like when you have to tell a guy, hey, we just can't fit you in our plans? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, especially since a guy like him, he's a, he's a wonderful human being. Like, I mean, he has a Canadian wife and he's from America, you know, the United States and he's embedded himself into Canada, which is what more can you ask from, from these guys coming up here than, you know, becoming Canadians. And I, you know, it, it, again, that, that's the hard realities of, of the Canadian football league that you do have to make tough financial decisions to uh, make this all work. I had Javon Katoy on last year. I like having uh, different guys from different teams on. Another great Canadian guy, you inked him to a new deal. I actually, when he was on the air with us, we went in and changed his Wikipedia to update his weight. Like the guy is a, he's like a tight end. He's a different kind of animal, but he, but he, he's not like, it's weird because he's got a tight end body, but he can still get some separation. Yeah, certainly can. Like, I mean, when I, when I first scouted him in the uh, BC Junior Football League, I said, wow, this kid here is is a man amongst boys, and he certainly was. It reminds me of the old Regina Rams. You couldn't go into Regina and play those guys because they were just men. Yeah. But uh, so Javon Katoy was was uh, you know just a, an amazing athlete and a guy again that's from Calgary but embedded himself in our community, and we're excited to have him for another three years because he brings a lot to the table. He brings. Not as many catches, but he certainly does a lot of things that people may not recognize or appreciate, which is blocking and helping the offensive line and just, you know, moving the piles and and making those catches. That's one thing. He does have NFL hands where, you know, if you notice the NFL guys, just don't drop the ball a lot. Mm. And he he is his catching percentage is so high so um just another guy that we we almost had to have to keep this thing rolling well unless they're playing for the kansas city chiefs and they're seeming to have trouble catching a football but i won't put words i won't put words in your mouth hey Keon hatcher that was an interesting signing we know the achilles injury there and he won't be available right away so that's kind of a uh, an intriguing negotiation i'm imagining yeah, well, one that we had to do, um, Keon not only is a good football player, but one of our leaders and a guy that it really brings a lot of uh, energy to our football team. And uh, I felt that just keeping him around to uh, see where he's going to be, like we, we feel that he's going to come back 100%. When that is, I don't know. That, that injury 
is unfortunately a tough one for football. Now, it's gotten better over the years, but the reality is it still is an Achilles injury. But all things are leading in the right direction. So we felt that uh, keeping him under contract and you know whatever he can give us this year would be great. And then in 2024, 2025, of course, under contract, so we can uh, you know hit the hit the ground running and make us uh, the team that we should be. You got to have a brass set, man. When you're doing that with a guy that's got a question mark over him, I don't care. You know, with all due respect, I don't care what you just said. Like that, you're right. It's a tough injury to come back from, and then you got to decide on letting a guy like Dom Rhymes go. That's not an heat. Like that takes a brass set, man. You must have some confidence in the guys you can find or who you have in the pipeline already, and you you sign a couple of guys too. Yeah, I have the utmost, uh, you know, our, our our scouting staff is always bringing in more guys. And the reality is the more veterans you bring in, the, the, it doesn't matter. You can bring in myself and you to play receiver because the veterans are going to beat us out. So uh, sometimes, again, you got to make tough decisions so you can make those coaches uh, pick the young guy and sort of lead them in that direction. So we have a bunch of young receivers coming through that we had in our practice roster last year and guys that we just picked up off the street that we really, really like. And so we're going to give them a real opportunity, and that's one thing that a lot of these American players, you know, money's one thing, but the opportunity to play is another. And if you have a veteran-laden receiving core and they don't see anywhere that they can get on the field, it's tough to sign them. So uh, this is what we've done. We, we have a couple openings at the receiving position and we have some guys that we really really like that uh, will certainly uh, you know showcase the offense that we have. A couple more quick questions for Neil McAvoy, general manager of the BC Lions. It's funny when you brought up Katoy. Now this guy wasn't as big as Katoy, but you mentioned Rams and we mentioned BC Lions. He does kind of have a bit of Jason Claremont to his game. Like you're like, he, you know, Claremont was never the fastest guy, but I've ne- you know, he always got up to the football. He always caught the football. Oh. He, he got separation, right? One of my favorite players of all time, Jason Claremont, going over the middle and just catching balls that, oh, my God, it's unbelievable. Yeah. He has done, I, I just, yeah, I think he's so great. It's actually a sin that he actually played for his hometown Rough Riders, but uh, I love Jason Claremont so much. But, again, again, a decision we had to make because financially, and, uh, you know, God bless him, he went back to Saskatchewan, beat us in the playoff game, and I think won a great cup. So yeah. um, I can't begrudge him for that. And, of course, he's still there, but. Again, when you think BC Lion football, rough and tough, going over the middle, I think uh, Jason Claremont going over the middle and catching everything. Totally agree. Hey, no, I'm not asking, and you won't tell me anyway, who you're targeting in free agency, but are there a couple of areas that you're kind of zeroing in on, per se? Yeah, we're, we have a couple areas. Right now, we're, we're sort of standing patches because we have, you know, I, I think our football team's really good with our current group. We have to sign a couple more free agents, but uh, I think we're going to be looking at a backup quarterback somehow, and uh, yeah. we'll always look whenever there's good players available. I don't know if we're going to be a day one team, but we'll certainly be a day three day two, maybe day four team, where if there's guys that are still around that have been uh, forgotten, maybe I can give them some love and opportunities to come and uh, make our team. So certainly I'm not uh, deep in analytics. It's not like I'm marking it down injury one, injury two, but from the broadcast booth and the rider games that I watch, whether we played the Lions or all the other teams, I don't remember a rash of huge injuries on kickoff, kickoff return, but there has been some talk, Dave Naylor reported that we're maybe looking at, uh, you know, at least bandying about the idea of a adopting some different kickoff rules. And I, for one, listen, 
I uh, I get player safety, man. I just talked about they're not getting rich doing this, but that's one of the things that makes our game unique. I know from watching firsthand American football, it's boring watching the kicking game. I'd hate to see us go that route. I just want your thoughts on on, on not necessarily how deep those talks have gone, but just your thoughts on the kicking yep. game. Well, a couple things. One, uh, the, the change I'd like to see is just go to the change we already have. When you kick a field goal and make the field goal, you have the opportunity to take the ball or receive the ball. So if you if you apply that to the to the touchdown, it wouldn't be that much of a difference. You'll lose some kickoffs. The unfortunate reality is, even though you just said in the National Football League the kickoff is just a wasted play, that's where they still have the majority of their injuries. And if you watched our playoff game last year and that horrific hit on the kickoff, that is the injuries we're trying to eliminate. And if we can eliminate one or two or three, let's say one kickoff a game, hopefully you can eliminate some of those injuries because I want the safety of the players and I'd like to have you know players available to uh, you know entertain running down on kickoff and 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 you know making a play is not as exciting as you know a linebacker hitting a, line, a running back in the hole. So yeah. I'm thinking little changes that can eliminate as many injuries as we can will be the better for the game and everything else. Neil, thanks for your time. I always appreciate you taking time talking football in January. We love it here all year round. Thank you, sir. Anytime, let me know. All Appreciate right. it. Neil McAvoy, general manager of the British Columbia Lions. We'll talk some Saskatchewan rush next. We got all the sports covered here. Curling, lacrosse, football, hockey. We even had cornhole this week. You name it, we got it covered. If your sport matters to you, it matters to us here on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. See, guy, how are you handling this deep freeze. You got off lucky here coming over in the trade. You're like, this Saskatchewan winner's nothing. Now you got blasted. How you feeling? Oh, it's, it's been, it's been all right. Nothing a little, uh, a jacket won't fix, but, uh, <laughs> obviously a little colder than here in Victoria. Yeah. Um, but no, it's been great so far. Yeah. No kidding. Um, so, uh, talk about your time so far with the Saskatchewan rush and how have you found your time with the team? Oh, I've loved it so far. Um, the fans are amazing, second to none, absolutely. And Jimmy Quinlan, our head coach, is um, great. He's been great to me so far. Um, and, of course, Derek Keener, our GM, and, and everything that goes along with it, all the training staff and everything's been great. The guys have been um, super welcoming. Um, yeah. But overall, it's been a great experience. And obviously, our, our start is um, not kind of where we wanted it to be, but... I think this group has a, a lot of potential um, in the next games coming up. Yeah, so talk about your start, because you've been a little bit snake-bitten. A bounce here, a bounce there, your record could turn. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just um, anybody who knows the National Lacrosse League, really anybody could beat any team on any night. Um, and that's just, just the way it is. It's all just bounces here, bounces there. Um, and we're, we're a reasonably new group, or our core group has kind of turned over this year, and obviously that takes time um, mm-hmm. to get everybody on the same page and dialed in. But um, I think as a group, we collectively feel that it's kind of coming together now and um, big opportunity coming up in the next few weeks. Do you look uh, Do you, Do you you look at yourself like a leader? Would you be one of the leaders in the locker room? Not just by what you do on the, on the, uh, the surface, because you've got the two goals, nine, uh, nine assists, 11 points in like a four games played this year, 149 points in 40 career games. So we know he can put the, the ball where it needs to be. But uh, do you look at yourself as a leader in the locker room? 
Yeah, totally. I think uh, anything you do in life, you try to be a leader and try to be a be a good example, and and as well follow the guys in the locker room um, who've done it for longer than me and and really know how to be a professional in this league. And um, yeah, I just do my best to contribute, lead on and off the floor, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Right? I would definitely think I'm a leader on the team for sure. So three years in, uh, you know, what's uh, what's been the evolution of your game? Like from the first time you got in here, obviously you're more mature now, but how has your game evolved, I guess? Yeah, I think the game starts to slow down a bit. Um, I think now it's kind of trying to learn how to be better rather than um, just hang on, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a difference between um, being in a league and, and trying to do your best. And then there's now it's kind of what can I do better personally to make our team better, if that makes sense. And that goes hand in hand with Jimmy being a great coach and, and letting it be known exactly where he wants me to be and, and what kind of player he wants me to be to give us the best opportunity. So it's retro night. I think you guys are playing Vancouver. Uh, they were the Syracuse I think they were in Syracuse before, and they had uh, so they're going to have throwback jerseys. I heard they're going to be black. Have you seen the jerseys? Like, are, are you going to have, as the kids say, some cool drip on the weekend? Oh yeah, they're they're great. Um, I think today they just got put out on our Instagram, so okay, definitely go check that out. Um, and they're great. I'm a I'm a huge fan. They're they're mostly black and. Um, yeah, it's going to be a sweet night for that, sure on uh, Saturday there. Where's your, you know, third year in the league, your favorite place to play other than uh, Saskatoon, obviously. Where do you like going, Road City? Um, I mean, Vancouver is always nice because that's close to home yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, and it's cool to play where the, the Canucks play because I'm a big Canucks guy. And then uh, Denver's always great. Um, San Diego's always nice. You get a little little vacation see some sun which is always good mm. um, yeah is there one place uh, you don't is there one place you don't like going into um no i wouldn't say that i'm uh, everywhere we play is a pretty pretty decent spot i heard buffalo uh, i heard buffalo I can i heard that. buffalo can be rowdy yes i've actually haven't played there yet so i can't speak on that but i think we're we're headed there later this year so We'll uh, we'll reconvene on that one after that game. So was was lacrosse always your first love, or were you a hockey guy? You just said uh, the Canucks. You referenced the Canucks there. Yeah, no, I, I grew up playing playing lacrosse and hockey, and then just kind of the the way it goes was better. Ended up being a better lacrosse player, and hockey kind of drops off, and lacrosse becomes your main focus. But I did love playing playing hockey growing up here in Victoria, too. So uh, the Canucks are rolling right now. they got the Coyotes tonight, one of 11 games. Um, are they for real? Like, I know they're for real in the terms they're going to make the playoffs, but are they going to do something in the playoffs? I mean, I hope so. I'm loving it right now. It's been a while since since that team was this strong. So yeah. it's hard to say. I mean, we've got some wins against some good East Coast teams and some good West Coast teams. So, I mean, you never know, but we're hoping for it. It'd be great. Well, folks, go check out Patrick uh, Dodds this weekend as he and the Saskatchewan Rush in their cool jerseys. It's Retro Night against Vancouver at Sastel Center. Thanks for your time. Continued success, okay? Okay, thank you guys very much. That's Patrick Dodds joining us. All right, so uh, Rider News once again. Jake Winicky has been released by the team. I, would, I like Jake. Uh, he's a great guy. 
good friend of Trevor Harris's. He was good for a time in Montreal, but that would be a that'd be a bust. Oh yeah, that was a free agent bust. Absolutely, but at the same time, yeah, like you said before, I would say he might one of the nicest guys. I mean, I remember walking, running into the to the grocery store and having a conversation when yeah actually it was Labor Day Monday yep. because we were sitting in Walmart and we were like the store is empty and we're just kind of sitting there talking like nicest guy great yeah. family guy yeah and uh, just never know. could couldn't get on the couldn't get uh, healthy and then Harris wasn't healthy they just couldn't get on the same page it'll be and then guys like Jared Stearns emerged as another yep. receiver for the Riders in yep. his place uh, it'll be interesting to see where he lands up or if he ends up somewhere yeah um He's going to have to get a show uh, show him deal, so to speak. Yeah. Like he's not just going yeah. to get that deal that I think had he reached all his incentives would have paid him 165,000. Those days are gone. He'll be Yeah, he'll he needs a prove him deal. You have, have to have a prove him deal. All right, we're going to take a break when we come back the last hour of the show. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Frost at Real here on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Sports Cage shareholders, this is what you need to know. Well, what you need to know, uh, we're going to give a show plug here for our great sponsors. When they get on board, we give them a... Shout out, and it's uh, brought to you by our friends at um, Real. They got Frost once again, which is that great winter extravaganza, and you want to make sure you're a part of that, uh, especially if the weather warms up like it's supposed to do, which we're certainly hoping for. But yeah, um, it starts, I believe, if I'm not mistaken here. Just got to get the right information. Yeah. January 26th to February 4th, you can join them for the citywide winter celebration. For complete event listings or tickets, visit them at realdistrict.ca. Our text line's powered by the Capital Auto Group, 936-6262. Now, I'd ask the question, nobody's answering it. Is Nick, sorry, is Drew Brown the next one or the next Nick Arbuckle? Basically a dud. But you said people are texting and not having any... They're not even answering that. So what what have they been texting about? Uh, well, first off, Brad from Saskatoon wants uh, to send best wishes out to Zinger. Yeah. You know, from his mishap yesterday, he wants to send... Yeah. Uh, hopefully, he's on to the road to recovery. He fell and... Uh, he dislocated his thumb. The doctor popped it back in. He broke a bone around his thumb on his left hand, and then he uh, he wrecked some ligaments too. He might have to go for surgery, but he's laid up right now. He's all hopped up on T threes, I think. So he couldn't come in today. So thanks for coming in, Blaine, once again. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, best wishes to Zinger, of course. And uh, yeah, take it easy on Saturday, Zinger. <laughs> <laughs> Don't rub it in. Don't rub it in. I'm not yet. rubbing nothing in yet. We'll, no. we'll wait till after Saturday. Yeah. What uh, else he got there? Uh, coming from Leonard, and he says. I believe this is directed to you, yeah, Mr. Ball. Yeah, but he says the fact that you said Patrick is going to lose, yeah, is means that it's guaranteed to win. You said it wrong, Leonard. <laughs> he interfered. I got hit late. That guy's the biggest whiner since Tom Brady. He is a huge whiner. I can't wait till Patrick Mahomes gets dusted by Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. 
Uh, you know what? I have to agree that I think creamed. Buff- I think it, I agree in the fact I think Buffalo's going to win. On I yeah. just yeah, they're not they're not the same Chiefs. No, nope, they're not the same Chiefs. They're closer to chefs, and uh, Travis Kelsey's old. He looks like Nick. He looks like Nick Lewis at the end of his career when he was mall walking to yeah. get open. Okay, that's what he looks like to me. Uh, this is it for this is a swan song. The Walrus will be all cold on the sidelines. Andy Reid and Buffalo. They've been knocking on the door. It's going to be Buffalo and the Ravens in the AFC Championship. Game. You got any more texters? I did. Uh, just one more from Mark, and he says the worst uh, in the S- end in the NFL is five minutes of commercials after a score, come back, watch him kick it through the end, end zone, and then yeah. five more minutes of commercials. Actually, I'll tell you what the worst is. This is the worst. Now, I don't know if they changed it this year. No, they haven't. NCAA. So what they'll do is uh, there will be a scoring play, and then, oh, that play is under review. So they'll go to a review, and then they'll come back and tell us what happened, and then go to a break again. That's the worst. At least when the CFL reviews plays, like the CFL does a good job of reviewing plays. And actually, Blaine, we, well, I don't know about you, but I've been critical of CFL officials in the past. But watching the NFL and watching some of these leagues, the CFL, dollars for dollars, has a pretty good uh, contingent of officials. Yeah, I agree. Like uh, the NFL at times, good. Yeah, there it's been uh, so bad. I mean, yeah. Remember when Pat? <laughs> oh. I'm just laughing about when Patrick Mahomes is white about the ref, and then remember when he played the Jets and he got bailed out against Zach Wilson oh. of all teams. The Kansas City Chiefs are the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the NFL. They get, like they get, they get uh, all the calls, every single call. Every single call goes Kansas City's way. Yeah, and you know, going back to what you're talk, we were talking about kind of commercial breaks. I thought, and it, yeah, I agree. College football in the South is really bad, but I thought that the national championship game between Michigan and Washington, I thought that it just seemed less less commercials to me. I don't know, it could have been just yeah. me, but they did a lot more split screen too, right? Yeah, where you get to still see what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. I guess a picture in picture. Yeah, but it just it didn't feel like. You know, a five. Some of those college games are like four hours, over yeah. four hours. Yeah, that's too much. I, I like, like, I'm not. My own kid's playing, and maybe he's not getting like he's not like uh, getting sixty snaps a game on defense, so it could be different. But I'm not even joking here. I'm not talking just talent. I'm not talking talent level. The actual game. I really love watching U sports. It's pretty exciting compared to NF uh, the college and. I disagree with Neil McAvoy, respectfully. I didn't see a huge amount of injuries that would tell us that we have to get rid of the kicking game in the CFL. Yeah, I don't know. That's one that's hard hard to, I guess, keep track of, you know, in terms of the actual injuries and... We might need studies and all that, but uh, I mean, you do th- see the logic of why there would be injuries, eh? Because of the whole running downfield. So we're gonna okay, yeah. okay, 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 okay. But I'm, I don't have stats about. Here's them. your no, I'm not cutting you down. Here's the mouth, and here's two sides. So we're gonna talk that way. No disrespect to Neil, but we're gonna play Saturday on the left coast and then fly to the east side in 4 days and play a football game. No, no, don't tr- don't preach to me about player safety like in the NFL when you're playing in minus 40 with turf, when guys helmets are exploding. Don't preach to me about player safety cuz I got news for you. They do not care about players. In in most any league they don't care about players. That's a bunch of garbage. Yeah, well, when you talk about travel days, yeah, I mean, you got to take in consideration that, and 
<laughs> that was pretty bad at points. Remember when the Riders went from BC to Nova Scotia and that? Oh my spent. God! <laughs> they went one. They went BC, Nova Scotia. Then they had to come back here, and then they had to go to Montreal. It was like crazy man. on four days. Yeah, on yeah. four days. Yeah. Oh, we care about player safety, and once again, not. That's not directed at Neil McAvoy. It's just in general. Don't tell me player safety. Patrick Mahomes' helmet exploded. Oh, and by the way, nobody checked on him. He never got taken into the tent. Like, it's literally his helmet fell apart. Well, Kansas City didn't even have to burn a timeout. Once again, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. (laughs) I'm telling you. Anyway, we're going to take a break. That is uh, what you need to know. Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking Riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. I hope, as there, there's some, uh, we got uh, Total Access NFL on the TV here, and we're watching an old game from the regular season Detroit in their white unis against the creamsicle Buccaneers. I'd love to see that. Buccaneers in creamsicles against the Lions. I was just going to say that to you, actually. Like, yeah, that that was a great jersey matchup. Unfortunately, with it being in Detroit, it's likely going to be Detroit in color. Yeah. I don't like that Detroit blue on blue. I like Detroit when they're blue with silver pants, not blue on blue like they did in that last game against the Rams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. And I'm not. We had uh, Mark Habick from the Riders on. I didn't want to get punched by him. But (laughs) I also don't like the green on green. Green for the riders, the pickle look. Now I know why yeah. they do it because the white comes down the the side of the jersey and then it matches up with the white uh, yeah. uh, striping on the pants. But I don't like that. I like we were talking the '80s look. Remember the silver yes. pants? Yes. Or you know what I liked? Mm-hmm. Remember the riders did the they had the green helmet with the upside down S, yeah. and they had the white jerseys with the green pants and the white striping down the side. Remember that? I uh, back in about. 2011 yeah, to okay. 2013, 2010, 2013, right in that window. I like that. I'd like to see a little more of that. I'm, I'm a fan of that. Yeah. I'd actually love to see him do the whole what they wear on Labor Day and then get the road one, like I just said, and that be their jersey. Oh, I'm sure you're speaking to the majority on that one. Those uh, retro jerseys are so oh, beautiful. They're beautiful. And, and if and and back to what you said, if they go silver pants, then they got to go with that Seattle Seahawks look. Remember when they had the wraparound, yeah. like the the silver, like the silver the riders around the back of their green yeah. helmets, about 1987, 88, yeah. 86. Yeah. That's what I love to see. Hey, at the Scotty's Provincial Curling Championships, Orsted and Anderson are playing. Anderson's leading six to four after eight. Uh, after or just in the uh, eighth right now, Englot uh, blanked the eighth. Pardon me, and it's five five. So they're going to the ninth. Martin at two and zero, taking on one and zero Hall, and they're five four going to the eighth for Martin. And it's two and zero Ackerman against zero and one Tisdale. They're tied at five going to the eighth. By the way, Englot's zero and one. Mitchell is one and zero, and Anderson's zero and one, and Orsted is zero and one. Speaking of Michelle Englot, of course she's on the ice now, so we're not exactly mic'd up with her. Oh, that would be cool just to check in with her and really distract her. <laughs> Might piss her off. But I caught up with her earlier before she took to the ice surface for this very important game. All right, as we tape this, we're talking with Michelle Englot. She's on the ice right now uh, in her second game of the Scotties. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thanks. Uh, so tell us about the first game last night, the opening draw, 7-4 loss. 
Yeah, we uh, had a little bit of a tough go. We, um, you know, battled battled back and uh, made it close, uh, made her throw her last shot. But uh, we just uh, ended up having a couple of uh, bad, bad ends, I guess, and gave up some steals that uh, we definitely need to eliminate that if we're going to win some games here. So we need to get on a roll today. Mm-hmm. So you've got, uh, as we're talking right now, you're up against Mitchell. What can you tell us about this rink? They're they're a really strong young team. They've been in in provincials uh, the last few years, and uh, you know they're a strong young team. And and we will need to. They knocked off the defending champions last night, so you know we know we're we're going to have a tough game again today. Every game here is is going to be tough, and with the with the format with the two pools of six, you you really can't afford. You know, more than more than one loss or two losses at most to make the playoffs. So, you know, you kind of lose a game and your back's against the wall already. Yeah, it's a tough. Uh, it's a tough goal, right? It's a tough uh, thing to win here. You've you've won this thing nine times, um, but this is not easy to do. No, it's not for sure. And you know, there's the formats have changed over the yeah. years, and um, this is definitely one where uh, you there's really you know not many second or third chances, right? So uh, you kind of need to need to get on a roll and start winning some games. So, so we're hoping to do that today. Yeah. So having said that, do you like this? Uh, where the pressure's on right away? Um. I'll, it, it is what it is, right? It's a it's a provincial playdown, and that's probably how it should be. You know, there's a lot of sudden death games in our in our lives where, you know, you need to learn to to step up and perform under pressure. So this is definitely a good format for the to prepare the team going into the nationals. So I don't I don't mind it. Uh, basically, in any format, you you ultimately need to be playing consistently well and get on a roll in the playoffs. Now, Michelle Inglot, you're like a fine wine. You're getting better with <laughs> age, but uh, can you look at this field? Uh, you know, give me the state of curling right now for on the ladies' side for curling, at least with this field. I think um, this is the toughest field that uh, there has been in Saskatchewan for for a while. I think like it's a very solid field, really good twelve teams and. You know, we have some some young teams that are coming up and and playing really well, like the Ackerman team that beat us last night. Mm-hmm. And you know, so it's I think it speaks and bodes really well for curling, women's curling in Saskatchewan. So uh, I know at you know different ice surfaces, different rinks. So nothing is like uh, the same in every rink. But how long generally does it take you? to get a handle of the ice and I guess in a tournament like this where you got to you know like you said you can't afford too many losses you better pick up on the ice pretty fast yeah absolutely like you know you really need to pick it up almost instantly to get get that first game under your belt unfortunately the other team did a better job than Mm. us yesterday Mm. but um, you know I think we have a good handle on the ice now it's it's extremely fast and uh, very sensitive uh that way so uh, I think we have a good handle and hopefully we can get rolling today does that play to your team's strength and to your strength personally when the ice is like that yeah I think so this is you know this is one of the fastest ice surfaces that I've played on uh, so you definitely need to you know sl- slow your kick down and, and try and use your sweepers as much as possible yeah so, so it's a little bit of an adjustment but 
Yeah, so the team's named after you, Michelle, uh, Michelle Englott, as it should be, but you're throwing lead rocks for a guy that's yeah. just a casual curling fan like myself, <laughs> not an expert by any means. Uh, just tell us uh, the reasoning behind that. Well, I, you know, I still, I still love the game, and I, and I am getting up there in age. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a discussion with some former teammates, and and we chatted about this because you know I, I think that my my uh, strength has always been my draw weight. So that's you know it, it with the five rock rule, lead position is extremely important, and and so I you know I think I can still bring some. Uh, value to a team in terms of calling the game and and the strategy and the line calling. Mm-hmm. So you know we we threw this out there and and thought we'd give it a go and and I'm quite enjoying it actually. It's it's fun because I still you know get to be in the house and call the game, but um, throwing throwing lead rocks. So and you know when you have a solid team in front of you. Or behind you, rather, <laughs> I guess it would be. Uh, it it makes it really fun. So I'm in, I'm really enjoying the year. So Michelle, um, you're like the uh, I liken you to the Damon Allen because I know you're a CFL <laughs> fan. You're the Damon Allen or the Tom Brady of curling. Okay. Uh, so I'm a, so listen. You're a high level athlete. I just broadcast sports. Okay. But do you do you? Like, do you have to lean on your teammates or is there somebody in curling that you really trust where you say, okay, do, do I still got it? Like, are you noticing anything in my game or do you just know, do you just know yourself? No, I'm still good to go. Like, I can still do this. I think, you know, I think my body is still telling me that I'm good to go. Right. So I, I work fairly hard off the ice. I work out at level 10 and, and, uh, you know, try to keep in shape off the ice. So I think my body will tell me, but. Um, I have some very honest sons who would also say, <laughs> "Okay, mom, time to pack it in. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're not doing it anymore." Yeah. So, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. So, lastly, Michelle, um, what? How has your workout regimen changed? Like, are you more into stretching? Is it has it has it changed the uh, the older you've gotten? Uh, stretching has definitely become more important. However, I still um, think the weight training is is very important at uh, for older athletes. Right? I think you need you need to stretch, and you also need to maintain the weight. Yeah. The weights. So. Yeah. Hey, you seem to be really, and it's refreshing. You seem to be really comfortable in your skin in your age. Uh, <laughs> has it always been like that, or is it you know like that? That's that's really neat. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Um, you know, my goal is to just continue working out and I've always done it. So, you know, I, I want to be um, a, an elderly person who is able to remain active. Right. So and I think um, we all know what we need to do to, to do that. So that's one of my goals in life. Amen to that, sister. I uh, yeah. totally, totally agree. Good luck uh, today and uh, continued success in your career. OK. Yeah, thanks, Ballsy. Glenn Suter joins us here uh, for a couple of uh, hits in the press coverage segment, and we're going to be joined by the Pats goalie coach, Daniel Wapple, coming up here. He's also got a goalie academy. We'll talk to him about the state of goaling, uh, goaltending, goalering. Um, but first, we'll get to your sports ticker brought to you by Busy B. They'll repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy B doors, the garage door specialists. CFL news galore. Drew Brown traded from the Bombers to the Ottawa Red Blacks.
lacks at least his rights uh, for a fifth-round pick. They're going to try to get him on the dotted line before free agency and add him to their quarterback stable. Dominic Rimes, who was cut by the BC Lions yesterday, uh, goes to where his career started in the CFL in the nation's capital. He started there in 2017. He assigned the deal, according to Dan Ralph. That is a uh, $420,000 deal over two years, guaranteed. Payola, that's Blaine Wyland kind of money. We've got 11 games in the NHL. Leafs at Calgary. He almost threw up there. Uh, Oilers at Kraken, or home to the Kraken, pardon me. Canadians at Ottawa. Coyotes at Canucks. Frankie Hickson is re-signed with the Rough Riders. Jake Winicky cut by the Rough Riders. Lots to talk about with Glenn Suter. Uh, but first, we're going to get to a Pat Chat. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Let's get ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. Time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline, talk with our friend, the goalie coach of the Regina Pats, and goalie for the Raymore Rockets, Sticks and Gas, senior hockey, Daniel Wappa. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, buddy. Hey, how's the, how are the Rockets doing? Um, you know, we're doing actually really good. We had a bit of a slow start. You know, I was a new team, um, and I was bad for the first few games as well. And then we kind of got our stuff together. We bonded a little bit. Now we're on a seven-game heater. That's awesome. So uh, where, where are we at in terms of, like, is there provincial playoff brackets, or where are we at in terms of that? I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a uh, senior hockey expert because I'm not. Uh, yeah, that uh, just came out about a week ago, so... Uh, that schedule's coming out uh, in the next couple of weeks, and that'll start in the next couple of weeks here. Awesome, man. Uh, how do you like uh, keeping you young playing that there in the Senior Hockey League? Yeah, honestly, um, I wasn't sure if I honestly wasn't planning on playing this year at all. And then Raymore called, and and they made a good offer to entice me to want to play again. And you know what? I'm I'm loving it. Like I could I could see myself playing for years. So um, no, I, I'm really enjoying it this year. Was that maybe because was that maybe a reason for your slow start? Is maybe your head wasn't into it at the start? Uh, yeah, and also I hadn't put my gear on for uh, <laughs> 365 days, so uh, that uh, doesn't help either. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're uh, the goalie coach for the Regina Pats. Just talk about your net mining. I've I've called a couple games here in the last two weeks. I've been impressed with Kelton Pine. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a process since the start of training camp. You know, when you come in with two 18 year old guys that don't have that much experience in the league. Uh, we knew that there was going to be some growing pains throughout the year. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. I I try to always re- uh, think back to when I was that age and the process of when things started to really click. And yeah, as you can see from the start of the season to now, um, well, if we talk about Kelton, Kelton's, he was always consistent up, uh, throughout this whole year, but the quality of his consistency has gone up drastically over the last little bit. And uh, Ewan just got back from World Junior, so getting him back on pace. But uh, I think we're in a pretty good spot right now, and we just our goal is just to be in a better spot by the end of the year than we are right now. Yeah, so uh, Daniel Wapple, uh, talk about you and Huey, who had to get used to to, to to the rink here, to this ice surface, where pucks will come, seem like they're coming in faster because it's a smaller ice surface. Uh, talk about his evolution. Yeah, you know what, right when he got here, it was kind of weird for him at the beginning just because the smaller ice, so like you just said, things happen much faster. He said practices were way different. 
uh, just way more shots again because there's less space and just the, the tempo of practice and everything. So um, Ewan was on a stretch where he was playing absolutely unbelievable. And then to be completely honest, I think he kind of just got a little bit fatigued mentally um, more than anything just because he hasn't been through that kind of grind before, uh, right before he went to World Juniors. So, uh, yeah, it's such a big learning curve. Even for me, this is the, uh, my first time dealing with a European. So, um, I learned a lot from him, but um, yeah, he's since he's been back from World Juniors, uh, we've been on the same page, and he looks—he's been looking really good in practice lately. That's an interesting comment, Daniel. What what have you? He's a European. I learned from him. What? Did, give me one thing you learned from him. Uh, just think the biggest thing was um, I just really picked his brain on like what were things that like he did as a kid and growing up playing hockey. Like what was the what did the training look like? What um, his dad was a National Hockey League goaltender. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that he wanted you to do? And and just because he's so athletic, like he's one of the most athletic goaltenders I've ever seen in my life. He's got he's a definition of athletic European goaltender. And he said that his dad made him play a lot of different sports growing up, so that athletic development. But one cool thing was uh, he always had to pick one practice a week, and he called it, um, I don't know if it was a fun or a silly practice, or a crazy practice he called it where all he tried to do all practice long was to make 10 bell saves and just make crazy saves. And he said it made him, uh, like, learn how to make those kind of saves and also enjoy it. So I thought that was pretty cool. You also have a goaltending academy. What's it called? That's called Increased Performance. Okay. Um, where are we at in terms of goaltending in this country? It, it, listen, uh, it's uh, it's not a, a cheap position to play. Uh I tried to play it once back in the day when we used to have Sears catalogs on our legs, like the brown pads, okay? And it was, I played in the Glen Karen Rec League, so it was like you just got the pads from the league, okay? It wasn't like the da- the Daniel Wapple beauty pads. They literally were just slightly better than Sears catalogs. Everybody wanted to be the goalie, but now it's not exactly that way. It's a, it's not a, it's not a cheap sport. Where are we at? Because, you know... Where I'm going with this, people like to panic. Oh, we didn't win the World Juniors. Oh, my goodness. And and you look at the... If we were to go to the Olympics tomorrow, I think Canada is better at forward. I think they're probably a soft with the Americans on defense. But in net right now, you got Connor Hellebuck and you got Jake Ottinger, 1-2 with a bullet, which I think is... I don't know if I'd say head and shoulders above Canada, but per, you know they're pretty good. Where Do we have a goaltending crisis in this country? Oh, that is such a loaded question. I don't think my time slot here is long enough to answer this, but um, there's just so many layers to this, like starting from the minor hockey systems and the way that we develop goalies. Uh, The minor hockeys haven't given the support um, that goalies have needed to develop, and it's it's, it's not their fault. There just isn't enough uh, good knowledge, and again, it's tough, right? The resources, the cost of things, so... Um, I constantly work on uh, online development programs uh, that are affordable to try and help kids and parents everywhere and coaches to fast-track things and to learn because there just isn't enough good information out there. But um, when it comes to the country as a whole, I, I would say yeah, we, we definitely have fallen uh, behind. And that just that's just because there's been too many too much coaching inside the box, I call it. So um, we're there's so many coaches that get to it's either one there's not enough or um, when we do get our hands on kids it's just too detailed too young so these kids are basically not even making decisions for themselves and, and I don't know if you ever heard the term robots but 
Um, there, Canada's had a lot of robotic goalies over the past little bit, and that just is because, well, one, we're not playing any sports at, um, growing up anymore. We're just playing hockey. So our job as coaches is having to, um, with younger kids, is having to build that athleticism in, inside of them with our training uh, just because they're missing out on that. So that's a big, big part of it. Um, and again, just letting kids make decisions for themselves. Like, yes, we got to make them, uh, give them the right tools. But at the end of the day, uh, you need to let kids figure out how to make saves for themselves. And because if you if you do a bunch of goalie drills that are in a controlled environment where they don't have to think, it's like, okay, well, they're doing good. Well, all of a sudden we get in a game and you have to read and react really fast and it's all of a sudden organized chaos. And we're like, what the heck are we doing? Like, I was so good in my goalie session. Well, that's because you have to make things um, – make as much thinking uh, as possible in, in your session so these kids can now take that to a game. So I think Canada as a whole, yes, has fallen behind. Um, when you brought up the Americans, you didn't even mention Thatcher Demko, who's uh, yeah. pretty good himself too. And then again, we go to Russia. They have Sorokin, Vasilevsky, and Shezjurkin as the top three. So again, yeah, we definitely have fallen behind. And uh, it stems right from the eight years old in the minor hockey system and, and that whole development process. So I've been a huge adamant. I've met with them, hunt, like hundreds of minor hockey's, not even just in Canada and USA too, and and they're even facing a lot of the same problems. So, um, yeah, it's. I hope that answers the best I can. Yeah. with uh, the time given. Well, we'll have you on again for sure. If they want to get a hold of you in terms of uh, your goaltending academy, how do they do that, Daniel Wapple? Yeah, I'm. You can check on any of our Instagram or TikTok at Increased Performance, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen us on there. So. Um, that would be a place to start. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Take care. Good luck this weekend. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's Daniel Wapple, goalie for the Raymo Rockets. More importantly, though, or just as importantly, the Pats goaltending coach, and he runs his uh, goaltending academy there. So if you you got a kid interested in being a goalie, it's worth uh, checking out Daniel's stuff. All right. Let's get to it. Springfield, Jurison, Lewis, and Goldsmith. Those guys will play hard throughout a whole football game. They're bringing a couple extra people, like a Glenn Suter in there, to fill those extra lanes, not allow him anywhere. He can't see over that line. What a catch. Just magic. He makes the contested catch 90% of the time. Not a big guy, but man, does he play big. You're listening to The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for press coverage as Riders Plaza of Honor Safety and Hall of Fame broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the three-down game we love. A lot of times we don't stop and smell the roses. This is the... um press coverage our first half with glenn Souter, and it's brought to you by quality tire with nine locations to serve you in saskatchewan check them out at qualitytire.ca i wonder when you hear yourself addressed like that plaza of honor or uh, a hall of fame broadcaster if you if you still if it still gives you goosebumps that your career got to that point it's still yeah it's still a bit of a mystery i, I you know but i i, I honestly amassed quite often i mean with with fans with people who like what i do and there are a few that don't believe me <laughs> join the I, club sure pack, hey pack a yeah. lunch and stand in line exactly exactly but you know i i i just i tell people that are fans you know when they ask 
you know, how did you get there? How did you do it? And things like that. I just say, you know, I have such great passion for the game. I, I passion and respect for what it takes to play it, what it takes to coach it, the amount of hours and dedication and, you know, and, and people can talk all they want about paychecks, but it, you know, for, for a young kid, you know, I guess, I guess you at times think it'd be nice to win a million dollars, all of those things, but it's it's about playing the sport, being part of a team, you know, being around in a locker room that has all these guys that are, are thinking the same way for that period of time, coming from different places in the world. And they're all in that locker room and they're, they're, they have one goal. And, you know, there's something to be learned there. And, uh, you know, I think there's life lessons to be learned. And that's what I always say. I just have such great passion for it. All of these other things have been really nice, and I and I feel honored to be in on lists like where there are some big big names of guys that I respect, you know, guys like the late Ron Lancaster as a broadcaster and things like that. But um, but that's really it, Michael. I just I just love the game. Yeah, no kidding, man. And we love the game because there's lots of great stars, both Americans and Canadians. Uh, interesting week for Neil McAvoy, the BC Lions general manager who was on. I think he was happy to be talking football with anybody in January, and we know we do that here. I can guarantee you nobody's talking to him about the BC Lions in Vancouver in January, uh, not like here on 620 CKRM. He had an interesting um, week. Dom Rimes has to leave. Because he has to sign a Hollins, who's a speedster receiver that could take the top off the defense. And then getting that big Canadian uh, misma- uh, mismatch nightmare, Javon Katoy. And he said, we both agreed, it reminds him a little bit of Jason Claremont. Yeah, and I think Javon Katoy, as uh, we, we, we are just scratching the surface with him. And I, um, you know, when you, when you think about sort of the. I don't know, hybrid tight end in Canadian football, really not not the American tight end, but sort of a hybrid of that. A guy who's big enough to block in the run game, you know, can line up at defense or at offensive end and, you know, run his routes from there, right from a, a, a three-point stance kind of thing, or can, can widen out and become a slot back with great speed. I mean, some of those touchdowns last year when Javon Gatoy was going down the sideline and, sort of stiff arming a tackler and, and with great speed outrunning angles. I, I just think he's a special athlete that they're just scratching the surface on. So good to have him. Plus, you know, it doesn't hurt that he's Canadian and, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't emphasize that stuff because I don't think you should, but I, it, it does give them more and more flexibility. The more guys you have like that. Yeah, no, for sure. They're trying to get Ben Halatic back in the fold, and uh, he was uh, real happy with what he saw from Ryder Varga of the uh, Regina Rams program. Glenn, one thing, though, I talked to him about the kicking rules, and I didn't, like, they don't have, unless they have concrete stats, I, you and I are on the same page. I don't remember a big, huge rash of kickoff return injuries. I mean, the big hit here between the Riders and the Lions was Brunson going down and smoking Terry Williams. They both bounced up. Brunson got a fine, which I thought was stupid so stupid i got the shareholders here on the sports cage to pay it for him which he ended up sending the kids sports so all's well that ends well but uh, i just want your thoughts on kind of neil seemed to be leaning towards the fact he would be okay with us uh having the decision to take the ball in the 40 yard line after a touchdown which i uh, i wish i had a buzzer to go eh. <laughs> yeah I, I i'm gonna respectfully disagree as well and uh 
I, I don't think we can. But I, I want to be I want to distinguish some of this conversation and, and split it up a little bit, because part of it is changing the rule completely to where we're really sort of going to eliminate kickoffs like the NFL has done. And the other part is to move like the XFL did is to move the cover team closer to the return team so that the run isn't quite as long. Those are two completely different discussions. I, I'm, I don't have any problem with lining up the cover team a little closer or whatever so that the, the run isn't quite as long and it can't build up quite as much speed. But if Neil McAvoy and the rest of the, you know, the, the guys in, the, in those offices that, that are in the board and the rules committee and things like that, um, you know, if they had concrete numbers, they'd have told us by now. And if you had Neil on, I, I didn't I didn't hear that. I've been listening to most of the show today, but I didn't hear that part. And, um, you know, if he if he didn't have the numbers when you were discussing it specifically, then they don't have any. So now you're talking anecdotally about changing a fundamental aspect of Canadian football, which is the third section of it, which is the kicking game. And I don't want to do what the NFL's done where kickoffs are irrelevant. No, you know, and punting, you you basically just down the ball with four or five guys walk, walk, walking beside it as it rolls, and then you put your hand on it and stop the play. I mean that that's ridiculous play to me. So I I don't want anything to do with that. And unless they have numbers to suggest that it would really help in the injury department, which it doesn't sound like they do. Then, then don't mess with it. He did reference, I think, the one in the semifinal. They had a big injury. I think it was, was it Tua Hema that got hurt? Somebody got hurt there for the BC Lions on a kickoff return. And they didn't have that player available for the next week. Um, hey, hey, Michael, yeah. uh, let me just jump in real quick. Yeah. Because, uh, because yeah, that, that again, that's one specific yeah. injury. And, okay, fine, you didn't like that. Hurt your team at the time. So now you're thinking, hey, maybe we can. But, no, don't change the fundamentals of the game because of one-offs here and there. That's, again, that pendulum swinging way too far one way or the other. Listen, I, 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 say I, just, this, I say this as a guy. Sorry, I, I, I reference this a lot, but I, I think it's important. I have skin in the game. I have a kid that plays football, okay? He's a 22-year-old, but he knows what he signed up for. In fact, it's a year ago today that he had major labrum surgery. He knows what he signed up for. You're playing professional contact football. That's what you signed up to do. You, come on. And and and, and, here's, and go ahead. I was going to say and here and you're and you're bang on right. I mean, you do sign up and not everybody can play and that's why we admire the professional athlete that's gone through all the steps and is now playing for his livelihood and putting on a show for you, the fan, and not everybody can do that. There's a very small percentage of people in the world that can do that. But if you really want to be serious about um, an injury possibility or, or eliminating injuries or trying to minimize injuries, then the goal should be to increase the roster size. Boom. Not not to change fundamental rules that would change the excitement level and entertainment level of the game in Canada that, you know, make the roster bigger. And now you have a cover team with no starters on offense and defense on it. 
Yeah. And that yes. will help you in the injury department. And, and imagine a league with no pinball and no gizmo and no um, exactly. Terry Williams or Mario Alford or Javon Leak or Chandler Worthy. Come on. And this is an underdog league that gives people second chances, people that are defined as too short or not big enough or not fast enough when it a lot of it has to do with politics. And so these guys get second chances to keep their livelihood going, and a lot of it is on special teams. So, no, it's a hard no for me and for Glenn Suter. We'll be back with our second half in our chat here with Glenn Suter press coverage here on 620 CKRM. I, it's a difficult one to predict. I, I will say this, though, that the fact that Ottawa has traded for the rights to talk to Drew, I think is excellent. I mean, Ottawa, you know, I, I think you give up a draft pick or something like that to get exclusive negotiation rights because Bob Dice needs a quarterback. And, and I mean, stability in the quarterback position. I mean, Dustin Crum had a good year, but, you know, can Dustin, which could you say right now, based on what we've seen, that Dustin Crum is, is ready to take the team to a championship? No, but I can't say the same thing. But I can't say the same thing about Drew Brown either. You know what I mean? That's the thing. No, 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 you can't. But to bring in a guy with a lot of film and a guy that you don't have to teach, like they're still teaching Dustin Crum the game, the nuances of Canadian football. He's right. still learning that. Drew Brown knows it. That's why guys like Drew Brown in the league are so valuable when you're in desperate need of a quarterback as an organization. You're looking at a guy who's been around a a veteran quarterback, a guy like Buck Pierce as an OC who used to play the position, and now you've got a guy that you know you don't have to teach the game to. You just have to integrate him into your offense and and to your people, the people you got around him. So I – that's why they become so valuable. That's why you got to take a chance on them. That's why I think it's worth a draft pick to be able to talk to him before he gets to pre to free agency, if that happens, and get a chance to maybe sign him and stabilize your. It stabilizes their quarterback, uh, their quarterback room because he's got experience more so than Dustin Crum has. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah, and Masoli's still there too, and he took a bit of a haircut, exactly. which helps out because if he's there, he's got some experience with Tommy Condell's offense. So Tommy has that in his back pocket. Uh, Glenn, in, in Rider Nation, we re signed Frankie Hickson, uh, who had a, a, you know, a bust through 2022 last year, bit of a hand injury, some other injuries, but also just wasn't really used the way I thought they'd use him. So I'm not going to lie to you. I was a little surprised with the re-signing. But as Luke Mulder said earlier in the show, they could have signed him right away and they just didn't announce it till today. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously he's on a list uh, that they know the potential of him. They saw enough uh, last year to say, hey, this guy can be a playmaker. We need playmakers. Uh, let's get him redone. And he, again, the numbers weren't, so off the charts for him or his playing time that he could demand a salary that that you know might might cause issues at at other in other places. So I think it's a it's a you know any any time you've got guys like that who you see the potential upside like Javon Katoy. I mean you see the potential upside of this guy 
and you go, let's let's lock him up, and probably there's probably another seven or eight of them, maybe maybe more, mm. and then and then we're a month away from free agency, and now we can prioritize there based on what guys we have resigned. Hey, uh, tomorrow we've got uh, Aldo Galvin on the punter from Mexico, who's a Regina Ram punter, so he'll be on the and kicker, he'll be on the. Uh, in the global draft, uh, or as I, I like to call it, the kicker draft. Uh, but they've got the uh, they've got the kicking showcase again in San Diego. Uh, what? Can we not? Fu- First of all, San Diego does not translate to any weather in the CFL, except for maybe where you are, Vancouver. But th- it doesn't translate. Number one. Number two. We're spending American. We're like Canadian dollars flipped to American. As speaking as a guy who knows this, that ain't cheap. You're adding on way extra. Couldn't we? Fu- lot of indoor facilities in Canada. Couldn't we do it up here? That is a very good question for the commissioner. And, you know, in a, in a time, look, I'm going to just be blunt here. Whether it's coaches meetings in Nashville or tryouts in San Diego, why don't you do it in Regina or Vancouver? Maybe a few fans come out and watch and also you save money. If, you, if you're going to have a, a massive meeting of, of all your coaches, I, I think we, we got pretty used to doing Zoom calls. And why don't you have your meeting like that, take the money you saved for not going to Nashville, and put an extra two Canadians on the roster. Bingo! Like, that's exactly it. It's kind of like these ministers. They have these, well, we have, oh, we budget deficits, but let's go have a minister's meeting in Banff. How about you You don't have it in Brandon, you have it in Banff. How about you do it over Zoom? I didn't get and And look at we're having this, I get it, it was part of a bigger convention, but... What really came of that? We didn't get any big news nuggets. Or Yeah, maybe they're looking at changing the kicking rules, which we don't agree with. But what did we... Re- did, what, I always say this, Suits. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and if, if we're... Uh, and, and prioritize and simplify. That's what I always do. Simplify and prioritize. So what's most important? Let's, let's increase the roster size. Let's invest more in assisting some very good officials. And the more we watch the NFL, the more we know how good our officials are. Mm-hmm. But, but let's, let's, let's watch. Let's try to support them financially with better salaries, more competition, better sort of training, whether it's, uh, you know, electronically or or whatever it is that we can support our officials much better, and let's increase the roster size. Let's let's keep putting investing money in these in these one-off games in different sites. I think that's a great idea to touch more fans, and and let's get expansion going. I mean, I'm you know in some ways you can oversimplify, but simplifying to me is the key. Simplify and then prioritize. And spending money going to Nashville or San Diego, to me, is silly. Have yourself a good weekend, bud. Okay, thanks, Mike. That's Glenn Suter joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. The show was brought to you by uh, Frost It Real, January 26th through February 4th. That'll do it for our time. Blaine and I'll be back tomorrow. Um, if you missed the show, you can check it in podcast form as soon as the great Blaine Wyland puts it up. You're listening to the voice of Saskatchewan on the Sports Cage, the number one sports talk presentation in the province here on 620 CKRM.